Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, what's up, Gypsy gang? We are back uh, with another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast slash the MX Companion. Um, I guess it's like, kind of a gypsy tales and kind of um motocross one but the lines get blurred i guess when uh you've got todd waters on because on the one hand he's one of my best mates and a guy that i've known for most of my life um and i just love sitting down talking to him and then on the other hand he just got back from racing the first three rounds uh of the ama motocross championship in the u.s where he did extremely well uh, a bunch of top 15s got the uh, Ricky Carmichael Hard Charger Award uh, at one of the rounds, got the Privateer Award at another round, and I think that if he stayed there and did the entire series, you would see him uh, with a top five moto result and a top 10, over, like a bunch of top 10s. Um, I think if you look at the lap times and speed-wise, um, he was as fast as Dean, who we'd, we've seen get uh, six in a moto so far. Uh, so yeah, I really think that the level... Uh, that Todd's riding at is is up there to compete with um, with those top dudes. Uh, like he says in the podcast, he caught Basha and um, Bogle and was uh, riding with Marv uh, in one of the motos, caught Sealy as well. So yeah, um, really cool to get him on the show to just talk about that experience. And then as per usual, we sort of just veered off into other directions. Uh, Todd's got some really cool ideas on the sport and... Um, I guess where he thinks it could improve uh, and he's a guy that maybe we should listen to because he's raced the GPs he's raced the AMAs um, and it's yeah it's crazy that he's kind of turning into uh, like a bit of a journeyman um, motocross rider he's ridden for factory teams he's ridden for privateer teams um, yeah it was super yeah it's, cra- it's actually crazy just even saying all that um, just how much he's done um, but yeah, before we get into it, I'd just like to say a big shout out to our sponsors as always. Um, my brand new knobbies rocked up yesterday. Uh, so I'm feeling like I'm dripping right now. Just, uh, got the drip. And for any of you rap fans out there, you'll know that that is, um, rap slang for like blinging, I guess they're calling it drip now. Um, so yeah, I'm running that drip uh, in the form of my knobby undies. So yeah, they come in the mail yesterday. Pumped. Not going to do any spoilers because so many of you guys are now a part of the knobby nation, which is something that I take great pride in. Uh, I got some. I got a really cool message yesterday actually from a mum that said it started out with her husband and now they've signed up the kids um, to the knobby nation. And yeah, it was a it was a cool cool moment to. Um, know that people are experiencing a great product um, because of the podcast. So thank you to everybody that signed up. And if you haven't, what are you doing? It's 20 bucks a month. You get the best undies in Australia. Maybe the best in the world. Uh, delivered right to your door. Makes sense to me. Um, also, big thank you to the guys at Boost Mobile. We are going to have a new uh, bit of content next week. And that is uh, something that we've sort of come up with, with the guys at Boost. Um, We had a call and just talking about just some different stuff that we could do um, to just like keep 
pushing this thing and making it better and better. Um, they had some great ideas, so we're going to implement that uh, as a part of our partnership with those legends. Um, so yeah, thanks to those guys for continuing support. It's been over a year now that they've been on the podcast. Same with the guys at Nobbies. Um, so yeah, you can head to boost.com.au if you want to check out Australia's best uh, prepaid mobile plans. And that's not my opinion. That's an actual award that they have won. They have been the best prepaid uh, service provider in Australia. So don't just take my word for it, even though you should, because I've been right about the ad stuff. I only do it with good people. Um, I would also like to thank the guys at MX Store, uh, mxstore.com.au. They are your one-stop shop. Uh, it's the only place that I... Um, used consistently when it comes to parts and accessories um awesome team great vibe and they are like this is a kind of a criteria as well with sponsorship on the podcast that i talk about over and over but i just want to be involved with people that give back um mx store is huge to the industry they give a lot uh, the content that they do is second to none. Uh, their customer service is amazing and they're, they're a brand that are innovating in the motocross industry, which is something that doesn't happen often. And when there is a company that wants to innovate the way that those guys have, um, then I would like to be a part of it. Uh, and speaking of innovation, another company like that is the guys from Rival Inc. So they're our fourth sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Uh, and they're the same, man. Like these dudes legit invent uh, graphics technology for, for motorcycles. Uh, they are, yeah, an insanely talented group of dudes. Uh, they are just really good people in general. Um, Joel and Statsy, the owners are guys that, uh, both, I look up to both of them in terms of the way they run their business. Um, so the fact that those guys are a sponsor of this show is amazing. Uh, you can head to rivalinkdesignco.com uh, and you can use Gypsy Gang and that's going to get you 15% off your graphics order, uh, which is a decent saving for a full size, uh, like a full set of graphics, C cover, all that stuff. Uh, they do jersey printing. They do everything when it comes to, once again, dripping on that motorcycle. Um, so yeah, thank you very much to those guys. Also, if you head to our Instagram at Gypsy Tales Podcast, um, we are going to be giving away a jersey uh, that Todd wore in the US. So it's got his US number, Troy Designs jersey. Todd's going to sign it for you. Um, and that is a, just a little bit of a thing that we're going to do for people who listen to the podcast. Um, we haven't figured out the exact... Um, I guess, dimensions of how that's going to look yet. Um, but I'm going to talk to Todd, the Savvy. Um, so yeah, just go follow the Instagram uh, at Gypsy Tales Podcast and follow at Todd Waters 47 while you're at it, I guess. And then that is going to uh, give you the heads up on exactly what we do with this jersey. So, but yeah, pretty cool that Todd would give up a, a piece of memorabilia like that for one lucky listener of the podcast. All right, that's enough. Thank you very much to everybody who listens to this show. Thanks to everyone that supports. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this episode with T-Dub as much as I did. Uh, we're on. We're on. Oh, I'll give it a clap. Yeah, boy. All right, we're on with my bloody, my old mate, Todd. How are you, bro? Yeah, good, Jace. I'm good. Thanks put, for having me. Put the microphone up like I told you. I don't have to ask you again. <laughs> um, give us a give some talks real quick. Fuck off, mate. I'll kill you. <laughs> What? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, right, I might as well start that. Oh, fuck, that looks... I want to piss that cunt. It's fucking killing me. Yeah, right, I'll start that. 
I want it like hanging down, Jace. What do you mean? Why? You always want a different hang. Like the rappers, you know? Uh, yeah. Just just bloody do what you told, right? Yeah, can you see your logo? Yeah. Just pull it close, mate. Nah, don't worry about the logo. I want to hear oh. you talk. Oh, right. Don't yeah. worry about the logo. Just pull it in, mate. Um, righto. So we are here with my, my homie, my mate, Todd Waters, um, fresh back off the boat from the US trip, mate. How was the, uh, how was the trip? What'd you get yeah. up to? Oh, the trip was amazing. You know, we had a break here in the MX Nationals. Uh, there was about a seven-week break, so we shot over there. There was about eight of us. Uh, we got an RV. It was insane. The guys from uh, RV, what was it, RV California, they helped us out. Um, it was, yeah, Mike, his name was, was amazing. Uh, RV was huge. You know, three pop-outs, slept eight. Oh, so you got one of the big proper ones. Yeah, big dogs. Really? Yeah. They're sick, eh? Yeah, so like Jill and I had king-size bed at the back with, it was kind of bigger than our room at home. <laughs> That's <laughs> had, sick, eh? Yeah, it had a wardrobe, overhead cupboards, like... And then there were bunk beds. Uh, Mum and dad were at the front. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, Nikki's boyfriend, Blake, was over there racing as well. So, oh, really? Yeah, so Blake Cobbin, he was over there racing. He's doing Was he qualifiers. doing the 250 class? No, nah, he's doing qualifiers for Loretta's. Oh. He's doing that that program. So That's pretty sick. Yeah, so he was hanging out with us. Um, so they put a mattress on the floor and they slept on the floor. It was, um, it was cool. It's, you know, it's in racing, there's not... It's not very often you get to spend time with your family like that as a professional racer. When you yeah. race for teams and so on, they kind of own you and you can have your girlfriend there. Kind of, it's, um, you know, it's they kind of own you and that's your job. So to go and race at uh, a professional level and have your whole family there in an RV yeah. traveling, it's, it is something special. I haven't done that before, so. And did you stay, um, actually, I just want to double check this. like that yeah yeah. Oh, yeah yeah you can hear the difference um so did you did you guys just stay in the rv the whole time yeah pretty much uh the first week we we just flew in and we stayed with jason's buddy um so we stayed in their house in california in marietta that's kind of the hub of everything mm. everything's around that kind of area glen helen parlor all the tracks are there and pc and you know husfana was there so um yeah it's a super good area to just be based out of for the first week to get our bike um all our parts and stuff and um overall the support that i got was in, incredible you so know? who did you get bikes off from husfana oh really so yeah. they just hooked it up yeah so robert jonas i raced for husfana in europe yeah okay and uh so i shot robert um an email just asking you know if there's a possibility of support for a bike and you know i i didn't want the team support or anything like that i just want to keep it super simple and uh mm. you know if you guys can give me just a production bike and i just bring everything i've got from here and uh pretty much ride it was the same bike as what i race here in australia oh so so what did you take you took suspension did you take a motor or just rode a stock motor with a pipe or whatever no so i i took a vortex ignition um yeah. my head so you know it's been cleaned up and uh and fmf pipe so that's what we run here in australia the 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 Husqvarna 450s they have so much horsepower at the moment yeah it's, 
I wrote a standard one and I was blown away. It's incredible. So, you know, we're not making them rocket ships. It's those days are gone. You know, 2010, 2012, you know, if they said, oh, here's a standard bike to go practice on, I'd be like, you're kidding. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not riding a standard bike and then having to race a race bike. Whereas now, man, all our race bikes are almost standard here in Australia. Mm. And pretty much around the world you know the bikes aren't rocket ships anymore they're actually kind of slowing them down like if you notice um ken roxon's bike sounds very smooth and mm. and i got to ride that last year and it it was it was very smooth and easy bike to ride engine wise so uh those days are gone are just max out power it's uh making them more rideable now what's it like on the starts though yeah the starts my starts weren't great over there. That was my yeah, biggest your downfall. Starts were shit. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, is your bike just slow, or is it just like? Because um, do they have like different ignition or mapping settings for starts? Do they do any of that sort of stuff over there? Well, last year when when I went over to Europe, uh, we had like launch modes, like different modes where you hold the button, it flashes on your handlebar, and they set it at a certain RPM, and it doesn't matter where you put the throttle, it's just really? nine thousand RPM for three seconds so once you go over the gate it sort of disenables and um they also had a traction control and really there's all different bits and pieces that that the factory teams are playing with and that's the advantage but it's not you know i let myself down um over there on the starts like my starts weren't perfect and Um, like you mean as in like your own technique it wasn't like you nailed the starts but you're just getting dragged yeah exactly so Colorado was a little bit different. My starts were were better. Um, second moto, I started next to the box to give myself a bit of room so I didn't get shut down. Um, and I did not a bad start, but problem being, I'm starting in first gear. The thing, like, straight away when the 32nd board goes up, you naturally put it in second gear and then you go, oh, and yeah. click it down the first because the bike, it, it just lacks so much power. Colorado was a big, big wake-up call. You know, people talk about, they talk about this stuff like uh, elevation. Yeah, like you always power, hear it, but you've never actually experienced it. Yeah, so I experienced it when I raced the GPs in uh, Mexico. The bike was slower, but I was quite fit then, so I didn't notice anything. Um, I don't recall anyway. Uh, and I'm fit now. My fitness wasn't a problem at Colorado, but it felt like I had my hand over my mouth while I was riding. Like, That's crazy, yeah. My heart rate was definitely up. You could Your throat was sore from puffing um and it's like that thin air yeah it like hurts your throat you feel like you know when you're sick and yeah. you got like that raspy every time you swallow it hurts a bit that's sort of what it gets like after a couple of days out there right eh? yeah exactly so yeah it was kind of that was that was massive for me like um going you know months and months of practicing starts and you just have it just becomes second nature to then all of a sudden start in first gear and going man is this thing going to spin up? Like, yeah, doesn't seem right to start in first gear, but did you do some starts fact, in second gear? Yeah, and it was I, a shit. I stalled it almost, and it's an really? uphill still. It's a uphill start, yeah. so no chance, no chance at all. Have um, you ever started in first gear? No, that's never. Gnarly, eh? No, that's yeah. I couldn't get my head around it, but so pretty much, yeah. I just come out. There's a bit of a gap next to me, and I did a reasonable start, and I just got dragged. So that's where the factory bikes are an advantage because the factory they can just you know give a bit more power and um for that certain event and then they just change it back to their normal bike yeah okay. so that's the beauty about being on a factory team opposed to the program that we were running but yeah it was overall it was it was great like i was way off the pace at the start of the 
you know, parlor, I think I was like 10 seconds off the front guys. Yeah, really. Um, I qualified 13th, 10 seconds off. Um, That's so crazy that you can be in the top yeah. 15 and be 10 seconds off because it was Ken, right? The qualified yep. fastest that yeah. day. And it was a super far, like the track wasn't rough. You know, it's it comes into my advantage when the track's rough, ruddy, technical, yeah. where you're not just balls out holding it wide open. So the track at parlor was a bit more like that. Uh, in our qualifying sessions and stuff so i was i was off the pace um and then by the time it come you know last moto we we caught up to barsha um we passed baggett and uh those guys so the track got really hard and holy and you had to sort of turn off things and miss the holes and and it started working for me then um but starts nowhere so we come through to 11th from i think it was like 18th um i could get myself to around the close to that top 10 from like around 20th but would have been nice if i could have started definitely in the top 10 just to Um, like know exactly where you're at yeah that's what i was disappointed with i was always coming through like colorado um yeah last mo same thing come from outside the top 20 and uh caught up to um uh what's his name on the factory honda sealy yeah yeah so caught up to sealy for um what did we get 14th so yeah it's you know would have been nice but in saying that amazing time like yeah, i really enjoyed like the, the tracks yeah so colorado was a different story we we qualified we still qualified around i think it was 12th or 13th but i was on the same second as webb um i was five seconds off the leaders so you'd call you know. it like five seconds basically yeah could so. you feel yourself changing like you yep. could feel yourself getting faster yeah and i knew that over here i've my main focus has been fitness and and to build that side of things and get my body right get everything feeling good and uh fit and healthy and then chase speed because mm. i've always been the guy holding the red plate and then in the hospital so that comes from you know not being able to maintain my speed mm. um just pushing 100 percent all the time and uh so this year i was like you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna let it come to me um you know we had the red plate we had a dnf unfortunately uh but we've caught up to third again so we're in the championship uh we've been winning a bunch of races and i haven't felt you know like i said i'm just letting it come to me mm. and my main focus has been getting fit and healthy and uh get my body feeling good so we went over there we started working on some intensity and that's what we're doing now is going into that stage of our riding focusing on speed and uh you know we've ticked off the box body feels good i'm flexible everything's fit and healthy now it's time to start pushing the envelope and uh yeah trying to get some speed out of it and so what sort of stuff are you doing specifically to like try and get faster well for me you know obviously on the bike is just i'm just doing motos 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 um so your longer stuff so it's hard to generate speed um when you're setting in for 30 40 minute motos Mm. um so now it's kind of changing so we're doing some pyramid stuff we're doing you know working on stuff like that like sprint stuff so one lap that kind of stuff so um it's much you know it's much like running you know if if you're doing 30k runs all the time you know you're not going to be your muscles aren't pushing very hard yeah you're going to get fit but then when someone says okay you got to do a 200 meter sprint you're not ready for it yeah so you know that's where i'm at now as i'm i'm training trying to get the body used to pushing really hard and that's the beauty with the motorbike uh with motocross in general is it's not just about getting the body to perform then uh 
you've got to ride a bike fast yeah you know you got to train your eyes to be able to go faster like there's so much in it it's um that's what makes it really interesting yeah and it's um even like with with my training like with this comp coming up this week has all just been like up bringing a pace yeah because like when i train normally like uh we'll do 30 minutes of rolls a day mm. and th- i just want to get through those 30 minutes because like in a comp if if someone taps then it's like it's over so it could be like a minute but in training if they tap then you go again yeah so it's like you're always getting the full five minutes of every roll yeah you know so it's like you roll five dudes or six dudes you're not like if you tap a guy then it's not like you sit out for the rest of the four minutes yeah so you get in this pace of like where you know how you can go to like make that 30 minutes every every single day but then (laughs) sorry bro (laughs) oh that is hot eh (laughs) far out you're kidding don't worry bro you can clean that up later that's don't worry wait those cups is that a yeti no it's a so it's a deep creek so we're at the it's zion national park it's deep heat bro that's oh. what that is <laughs> these things they say that they're insulated they're insulated they're right. bro. i yeah. need to let some some air in this big girl blow off some steam bro that's funny. thought i'd just have a quick cuppa <laughs> that's with old jace while we're having a yarn <laughs> <laughs> no but it's insane like uh going back to the american thing you oh, know dude, you saw some sick shit eh? oh like the racing was insane don't get me wrong like that's it was kind of oh man you can clean it up later it's concrete we'll stay on the intensity thing real quick but like yeah, yeah you do um yeah i found myself like you try and switch over into like a more of an intensity mode and it's more of a like there's a physical thing to it but it's sort of more mental right as well yeah. like you have to be you have to be in a certain mode to go like i'm just pushing like yeah. regardless of the time or whatever yeah oh it's it's so difficult for me because i i'm a rider that i ride smooth and i carry momentum so when i try and go faster that means i i break later which brings speed into the corner more and all of a sudden i've stopped and smashed into the corner yeah so i've lost all my momentum going out so it's a it's a really hard thing to be able to do to to just go okay i'm gonna go faster now yeah you know it's it ain't simple like you you go okay i'm gonna go fast now we're gonna do some sprints and you end up going slower mm. so that's the most difficult part for me um is trying to work out just how to go faster by keeping the speed and the roll speed and um that's where you know i've, I've kind of always had it my whole life like dad's like mate just relax just you know and then i ride better um the more i try the slower i go and i got to work with ben townley last year and it was amazing you know he picked up straight away he's like man you need to stop trying so hard like stop pushing so hard so because he's one of the smoothest dudes ever yeah and he's so fast from being smooth yeah and it's just about picking the track apart and seeing where where you need to push and where not to it's Mm. um whereas man i just used to push all the time i just I'd just have the thing wide, you know, and it's uh, it's not about that. It's about just trying to pick where to do it and where not to and conserve. And that's why I found myself in hospital a lot of times, I guess. You yeah, know? just pushing too hard everywhere. Yeah. And during the week as well, you yeah. know, like during the week, I'd be pushing like it's race day. And uh, it was 
you know, I didn't really hurt myself that much on race day. Like it was, um, it come from like smaller races and stuff like that. Yeah. Where you were like really pushing cause you could. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, at a sunny state, you know, that all, that cost me one of the championships. Um, and that's like, I look down and I'm like, man, sunny state, that's nothing. Like I could have just packed up and went home, <laughs> you know, like, so I guess that's just being mature and learning mm. things. Unfortunately, we learn the hard way. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a bit of luck, but I believe it is a lot, um, yeah, of making the right choices for sure. Mm. Did you learn from watching dudes like Kenny and Eli and Marv? Like, was there stuff that you picked up just by being on like the same track with those dudes? Mm. They, not really, to tell you the truth. Like, um, like I got to ride with Marvin. Uh, one of the races, I'm not sure what happened to him. I think he might've crashed at Colorado he was back anyway and i was up with sealy and i went to cut under and i was around 10th like i got a good start and i washed the front out um when i picked it up started going yeah marvin come around me and uh and coming down the hills like that's something that kind of townley pointed out i always i'd go in so deep but then i lose a lot of speed because yeah i just i go in so deep and almost stop in the corner sometimes so it's better to break a bit early and build speed through the turn. Yeah. And that's what I've kind of been um, trying to do. And that's what I've seen. I was coming down the hill at Colorado and I went down the inside and I just started catching Marvin down the hills. And I'm just like, what the hell? Um, but, you know, then he carries the momentum through and down the straight, mm. opens that gap again. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I kind of seen, I'm like, you know, hey, they're way faster, but they're doing it easier in an easier way they're just going faster everywhere mm. you know whereas i go i might go faster down one hill than them but then i'm slower in the corner and up the next hill because of it like mm. so they just keep a momentum around the whole track it's not super crazy fast or it's not super crazy slow like there's no stop starting they just keep going mm. so that's the biggest thing is the momentum side of it is they just they don't break so hard but they don't accelerate so hard they just kind of especially kenny he's so smooth it's crazy eh? yeah he's unbelievable to watch um tomac he you watch him he carries some ridiculous speed in some corners but he doesn't break that's what i mean he just carries it and mm. then gets on the gas coming out so like we like i was saying before it's training that training your mind more than anything yeah you know, yeah hey my body's my body's well and truly capable of doing that um but it's just in my head i you got to be able to train your eyes to be able to do that yeah and not freak out and um you know straight away if i hopped in in their boots and went into a corner that fast i'd probably pull out and go over the rut or something because yeah. you're just not used to it yeah that's the one thing like i always would think about with motocross and it's like the feeling of me going my fastest would feel the same as you going your fastest yeah yeah like it's everyone's got the same feeling but we've all got this different ceiling yeah of like exit like what you said how our eyes see it yeah and it's like i've always wondered how can you train that because essentially what's happening is da -da 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 -da, fuck hit the brakes yeah but my fuck hit the brakes is like 20 or 30 meters before your fuck hit the brakes yep and kenny's is probably two or three yeah, meters past yours yeah. like it's the increment's so small but like you said you add that to every corner and then you get into five seconds or whatever for yeah. the lap but it's like 
I just wonder, I wonder if there's like a way to train that specifically because like with, with what we do at training, it's like drills, 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 technical stuff. And yeah. then you go and do it. Um, essentially you go do a moto, mm. but it's not like you just don't go there every day and do a moto. Yeah. Cause it's like, you just do the same stuff. Yep. So it's like, you've got to force yourself out of that. And I, and I wonder like, cause I don't, I don't really think we do like drills in moto a lot. I think yep. so much of it is just doing those laps and f- trying to figure out new stuff. And you might go, oh, this, I'm going to carry more corner speed this time. But I've always wondered, like, you know, go back to like the first day ever riding school. And it's like you put some cones there. Yeah. And it's like, all right, this is where I hit the brakes last time. And it's like, I wonder if you could, you know, a dude at your level, if there's some kind of like system that you could develop around drills that would like just push that fuck hit the brake response just that little bit further and if you did the same corner like over and over and over i wonder if your brain would just get used to the speed yeah yeah. it's like you know when um like vietnam was a good example when we did that vietnam thing Mm. it's like the first day you're um you're like kind of not tripping but it feels fast Mm. you're like doing 80 or 90 k's around turns and you're like fucking jesus yeah and then you don't you're not trusting the bike and then after a few days of it it just you're just one-handed doing yeah. like as fast as you were going around the first day yep so it's like yeah i just i wonder if it's something if there's something that a guy like you could do that would just be like real different and it's almost like a drill style thing and i don't even know if you do do it yeah we're like oh. i said like working on speed that's where we break we break things up and you know we practice starts then we'll do drills with you know sprint laps with starts um then we break the track up and practice corners and firms and stuff like that so there's definitely you know we do that sort of stuff but it's just so i don't know there's so much in it yeah it's crazy it's like unlimited amount of technique yeah there's just so much in it like i just i don't know it like i've you know i've been doing some coaching skills with ben shadell and yeah because like yeah you do the coaching stuff you so know. you'd be doing those sort of drills and that. yeah you just have kids and you're just like like i don't i don't know what it, it there is no way yeah. you know there's no right or wrong way you know when you can see there's when i was in europe there's guys that are just they have terrible techniques you know by the book you know they've got elbows down so there's yeah. no strength you always teach to have elbows up and they're just going around the outside of you you know they're just at the end of the day they're just carrying more speed they're just having a crack so at the end of the day it's just about doing that um and that's where ben townley's very technical he's uh, as a rider and as a coach he really standing on the toes and you know works on that kind of stuff and it's great i just wish i had him when i was 16 because my mentality when i was 16 to about 23 when i come back from europe didn't care like don't care i'll just go around you yeah like if you leave the door open i'll go up inside you i don't care if my elbows are down or i'm sitting too far forward or you know i never used to stand on my toes i just didn't care i just went as hard as i could and i believe strongly in momentum and anyone can go that fast that's that was what it come down to and you naturally if you're coming in the corner and the front's washing out all the time or pushing you naturally start getting a bit further forward you know it just comes when you do it enough yeah i believed if i did that corner 
a thousand times i'm gonna work it out like and that's kind of how my writing is you know not the greatest style not uh you know sprint speeds not really there but i'll be there at the end Mm. and that comes from my mentality of um you know if i do enough 40 minute motos i'll pass you on the last corner yeah because i'm i don't care about the photos that we get afterwards or anything like that all i care is about going over finish line first yeah being on that box so um that's where i've kind of when i spent some time with ben you know he showed sort of showed me some things that made it a lot easier and i thought man like don't like you now yeah I've (laughs) i've been doing it wrong yeah like there's like i said there's no right or wrong way yeah but i was like classic example like uh you know staying on your toes and leaning back it sounds simple but i i go in harder than anyone if the if it kicked me i'd go out and miss the bump i was always really good for finding lines and maybe that's because my technique wasn't good yeah you know under braking i didn't have a good technique so i'd wheelie that bump or jump that or you know i think that's why the european track suited me a bit more uh because two days of racing on a track it gets brutally rough and you can pick lines and use that to your advantage so i just wish like those simple little things like under braking pushing back and you know it would have helped me a great deal just spending a week with ben um you know because i'm working on it every time i ride yeah even at nationals when i get in lead at broadford i'm working on stuff that ben was telling me really you know, you're while like I'm thinking about it yeah. as you're riding yeah because i don't know it's when you're racing it's it's a different kind of feeling 30 minutes is quite a long time in a sport you know like in a i mean like a high intensity, intensity. sport like there's not too many sports where you got to focus that hard for that amount of time and i mean with a consequence that ends up in hospital mm. so pretty much when you're riding you need to be trying to keep your mind on the job because mm. when you're racing as you know you're getting leading like oh my god where are they like i need like you know your mind just starts going like where's so-and-so he might be coming through or you know stupid stuff so i found that helped me out was uh just focusing purely on myself don't care if you pass me try and pass you back Mm. you know not the human mind just sometimes muddles things up and makes things more difficult so Mm. that's like another story again like um well i think you know they're huge yeah well i think um one thing i've been thinking about a lot lately and it's just like life in general sort of style stuff is that the human brain is designed to solve problems yeah like if you look at day one of like fucking humans it's like okay we're cold all right we got to figure out how to make a fire i'm hungry i got to figure out how to eat whatever it's just this constant problem solving yeah and then you push it to the point where we're at now and we get to like choose these problems that we get to solve yeah and it's like you you choose motocross and then there's these problems in motocross that you you've got to solve and it's like your brain is so designed to solve problems that if you're not on top of it it's going to create its own problems mm. and i think that that's like i think that's somewhere where people just go wrong in general uh, uh, like in their life is like if they're not in control of the problems that their brain is creating 
then they're just going to start making some weird problems about like, oh, I hate my fucking neighbor and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like real random shit. Yeah. But it, it's, it's true. Like even at your level, it's like, you've got to pick your problems that you focus on. Yeah. It's like, okay, the problem of just getting down this hill and smooth through this turn as yeah. opposed to the problem of who's behind you, the points. And cause it's so easy to like lose that control oh, man. of your mind and like the problems that it's trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah, like it ain't going to make me ride faster wondering, oh, I'm winning or so-and-so's pulling away or whatever. Like it just needs to be like, hey man, you need to come down this hill and be in the right technique for when you hit that Mm. bump or miss the bump, jump the thing or something. So yeah, it's, man, that's what's so cool about our sport. I love it. Like it's, this year's been amazing for me. It's um, jumped on the Husqvarna and I'm, I don't know, I'm just... I can't keep off it. Yeah. Like, I have a day off and I'm like, oh man, I've got to go cycling and do that stuff. Like, why don't I just ride every day? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, it's amazing. It's a good place to be because you weren't in that place when you got back from Europe. Yeah. Like, I was, you were pretty down, you know? Yeah, I was struggling. It was long stories with that one, but um, pretty much we're back. I'm, I'm really enjoying racing the nationals, going over. We did that trip over in the States. Um, man, we met some amazing people like you know donny gave us a tour through the fmf factory Dude, how good is donny eh? man he's the biggest legend yeah ever. he is awesome and i couldn't believe that like everyone oh everything's made in china now you know no, they, they make everything you know? in that one yeah. building it's so gnarly dude yeah but even i thought that they'd get pipe brought in but they just get flat sheets of titanium yeah and actually roll it make the pipe have like, you seen the rolls that they come in yeah like I, I went there once and it's in compton too yeah how sketchy <laughs> is the area bro oh <laughs> man so gnarly did you stop at any gas stations or anything no so it? we pull up in the rv we couldn't park near the thing yeah. so we we're like a block away and dad and sister nikki like open the door and they cruise out next i go put my shoes on i go to walk out they're just bowling me back over quick shut the door be quiet and i was like what and we're like all hiding in the rv this guy's got no shirt on talking to himself like kicking cars and looking over his shoulders if there's people there like yelling and i was like full crack i haven't seen anything like that <laughs> like ever i was like i know people get wasted and like we have drunk people up north and stuff but i was like this is a different level eh? this this guy and he look, looks like you couldn't stop him yeah like he's so revved up you'd probably punch him you'd just keep standing back up so yeah there's a wild experience with that that's for sure <laughs> but then like the actual the actual place itself is so sick oh like, yeah. you go in and like the Huge. what they make there like they've got all the two-stroke pipes like it's just yeah. it's such a sick sick spot and like yeah. you can always find like big donnies on like the dyno 24 yeah. like, it's so sick that it like it just it never really changed eh? yeah like they just kept it how they like wanted it to because like you yeah. said heaps of shit gets made in china and stuff like that and it's like those boys just like zeroed in on what they liked yeah about the company and then they just didn't change it oh i love it the like donnie was showing us through and he's just like yeah look we make the fmf like the little stamps you know that gets welded on the pipe like the logos and and i was like that's insane and how passionate they are about it and made me passionate about it. like i'm just like this is awesome to be a part of a company that's like this not just oh, dude. cruise in and they're like oh yeah we get our shipments in and store them over there like to see that behind the scenes stuff about fmf was incredible and and they've got dudes that have been working there for like forever yeah 
like 30 years and stuff like that like yeah those companies just don't they're just not around anymore yeah like those old school handmade american built like yeah it's just it's not like that anymore it right? was good and we went to odi as well and oh, yeah. same thing like they they make everything in-house I, I didn't know that i've yeah. never been with them so it was insane like they just get like the rubber comes in like these little balls like what you find in bean bags like that foam oh yeah that, it comes in the rubber the different colors and then it's all made there they have all these machines that make it all there it's insane really? the process is mind-blowing yeah and you got to they showed you all yep. through that as yeah well. so it showed us all through that um yeah so that was cool uh troy lee he he made a trip out here for the first time this year yeah i saw that eh? yeah he so, did that thing in newcastle right yeah so the guys from lusty johnny was like hey man do you have five minutes you reckon you come down and um so yeah we flew down we hung out we went and had dinner with troy and uh got to meet him and then he helped us out when we went over so did you get me my pants or no nah man when are you gonna get me back for those pants bro you never owe me, you owe me a second <laughs> fuck my life bro work so hard for those pants you don't know how many dvds i, I watched bro. <laughs> <laughs> i cleaned so many dvds for that pants. so the story about jason's pants oh. so i'm best mates with jason's brother maddie and we're over and we're in the workshop jace was going on about how i don't know what you're talking about downhill or something yeah i was racing the downhill at the time yeah and he was like getting pretty excited and i don't know what i was i was a terror of a kid yeah i, I was a mongrel yeah. and um i don't know we'll paint maddie's bike or something and i was just like i don't know why i did it i don't know what happened but i sprayed him anyway with this silver paint and it sprayed his only replica troy lee pants that were in australia or the world actually they made them for jace it felt like <laughs> that's how big of a deal it was eh? one and one. It, i was just like it's oh like he, it's like he spray painted over the mona lisa yeah <laughs> but i don't know why it even happened what that was all about i think you're just being a fucking terror yeah just a dick of a kid but yeah so that was a pretty funny story i never i never forgave him either <laughs> the story no nah, the story well, i was just pissed off because todd was sponsored and he got all his shit for free and I, and I had to clean fucking DVDs at Aquarius video that's right I remember you going off I was going off you fucking get everything for free <laughs> you don't care uh, but yeah I got like, I got over it nah I never did get over it should have just said Jace this will create a bond between us for years <laughs> we'll, we'll be doing podcasts in 20 years Boy, time. that was probably 15 years ago <laughs> yeah like yeah it probably was about that man yeah that's fucking crazy eh yeah but yeah, the old um, the Troy Lee setup's pretty sick too, eh? Yeah, so we went like when we got over, Troy's like, yeah, come like come hang out at um, at his yeah at his what do you call it? office workshop? Yeah. Everything's kind of there. Um, so we we turned up there and they it was insane. Like they had the full throttle um thing with Grant Langston happening. Oh, did you go watch it? Yeah, so oh, that's cool. I didn't. We just kind of cruised in and then Troy's like, oh yeah like we're doing this full throttle thing like come out walked out the back and i was just like are you guys kidding like yeah it's like they got just, like a full bar set up yeah thing, eh? yeah yeah did you was, go on it or no 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 nah so it was insane that's cool like really cool um so that was amazing to hang out with troy and then at parlor i think it was um we're just in the camper and next minute troy pops his head up in our camper i was like hey you want a coffee bro <laughs> come have a cover so he's um such a good guy yeah like just uh one of the good old boys you know just normal just loves racing um yeah t super talented at at artwork like yeah, one of the helmets yeah. he did um 
I don't know what race he did. Can't remember whether it was the Baja or something like that. But he drew like the country on there and cactuses and all like heaps of stuff. And yeah, he does an amazing job. Yeah, he's a talented dude. Eh? Yeah, it's crazy. Like that brand is just like so sick. Yeah, they just they do everything from like the mountain bike helmets are so sick mm. to the moto stuff. They got like the team. It's almost like the. Um, yeah, I don't. It's like it's a really unique brand, dude. To yeah. for it to cover that many sports, but it feels like it feels real core. Yeah. In a lot of sports, you know, you get some brands that'll go and they'll be in like they'll be across everything, mm. but they don't feel like they started in everything. Yeah. Troy Lee sort of feels like it started in everything. Yeah. You know, like when I was racing BMX as a kid, Troy Lee pants, Troy Lee helmet. Yeah. And moto mountain bike, like it just seems like anything that's with wheels is just like they have such like a core presence in it which is hard for a brand to do that's probably because troy just loves the shit so much yeah yeah i think i don't know he just seems like one of the the old guys that you know good examples like glenn jacobs like you know they just they're just in everything and And they froth it forever and just yeah yeah, they're just part of it and they just do cool shit at it Mm. and that's what i feel troy like i can just imagine him ripping and being out with all the boys on the mountain bike and and painting their helmets and then doing a line clothing line and just doing such cool stuff mm. like didn't care about oh man i'm gonna make this helmet i want to make a heap of money off it so i'm gonna make a shitty little cheap helmet like yeah. he just was like i want to make a sick bike helmet that everyone wants and paint it mad and that's what he's done everything's such high quality um you know he's aligned with some amazing brands like adidas and yeah and oakley doing replica troy lee stuff with those guys it's it's pretty insane eh? oh yeah it's massive and the weirdest part for me was like i know troy lee as the brand name. as the brand like as the company like because we're in australia so mm. i knew it, i spray painted your pants as if they were mm. no fear pants you know like they're just like troy lee's a, a company name you yeah. know and then to go there and be like oh hey troy lee like <laughs> so that's how, actually you yeah that's funny how your mum named you after that brand hey <laughs> like it's kind of weird hey yeah, like yeah. well for me it is anyway yeah because i'm just a simple mountain man i guess from atherton but it's it's um that's like one of the crazy things about america and mm. it was it was gnarly for me like living there for so long is that you're just walking through the pits any weekend and it's like you the the thing that it's like hard to explain to people that like an industry is pretty small yeah like when you um when you look at it from the tv and you grow up the way we did like we grew up in cans with Mm. nothing around like it was just us riding motos together like that's just it and then even cdr yamaha felt so big and so far away for us and then america seemed even further away and then you mm. think like all the steps that it must take to get there and like to know those people and like it just feel it felt so big yeah that it felt like impossible and then when you get there it's like those pits in an ama motocross are like small yeah and you walk through it and once you've been there for six months every single person is like hey what's up man how are you dude oh we should do this or you know like you'll run into roger da costa at dinner and then oh why don't you sit down and have some dinner and like it's just it's a small 
industry and it's like they're just cool people yeah and they've they love it enough to where they've gotten there because of like loving motorcycles if that makes sense yeah but i think it's a a big reason for it is because we don't know these people and we don't see it mm. so we amped stuff up so much like yeah. like fox and bell and troy lee and oakley like you know all this stuff is like wow you know because it's not made here so yeah. it kind of comes so then what i have i just thought like you know it's crazy whereas an actual fact it's just like a bunch of buddies that have made yeah. some stuff over there and and donny like fmf perfect yeah. example it's like they're just all mates in an office and then yeah. they're just like real good at what they do if you got them all in a room it's just like us yeah we all wear shoes well, my old man used to say like we all put our shoes on the same way and it's exactly right mm. and i guess another example is um when i raced the world gp in brazil they have a rule that like I'm not 100% sure, but I got told that they have a rule that you can't import stuff to that country. It needs to be made there. So like Volkswagen have a factory there and they get stuff sent there and make the stuff. So what? So I've been told. So I'll, they can't get stuff. Mm. So from racing, they'll have like a couple of Fox stuff, like little bits and pieces of some gear and that. So I've been told. So when we went there, they just... You come off the track, they're just pretty much trying to strip you off. Yeah. Like they've never seen you know Troy Lee gear and like in real life and stuff so it's the extreme again like we can get all the stuff but they yeah, can't so yeah, yeah. a lot of the riders were selling everything and like they were I remember Tonkoff selling his socks and like yeah no just shit. just wild yeah and Tony Caroli just like giving his stuff away and oh it was insane it was um yeah that's pretty cool so I guess that's a bit like us we lived up in Cairns I didn't see a pro racer like my favorite was jay marmont and ryan marmont yeah i rode kdms and was on the junior team i'd never seen them before first time i seen pros was when i filled in for ryan marmont on the factory bike really at toowoomba and i rolled like i was riding under 19s actually so that year i did three rounds so i'm watching them going there's jake moss there's yeah. Mackie, like you know and then ryan hurt himself so round four or something i got a feeling guest ride for Toowoomba on the pro lights so I've jumped on Ryan's bike lined up and I'll never forget it Cody Mackey went next to me and and Jake Moss and I was just like oh my god this is insane like mm. I wanted to get photos with him and I'm about to race him and I go and whole shot the race and I'm just like what you the won hell? that race didn't you yeah that's so nice so it's just like I, I can really understand that because that's been my upbringing like super excluded away from everything yeah. we just did the junior stuff and didn't see that kind of stuff so um i guess that's why i appreciate stuff so much like yeah when i go over and i meet guys and you know like i've had some stuff to do with ben townley and a few bits and pieces tyler Radaray when we're in europe and i just i'm sitting in the camper with tyler Radaray, like in their camper going to do their Italian championship yeah. like his daughter brookie's plaiting me hair and uh and i'm just like man i like when i was 15 jeff lease gave me the radaray edition bike there was like yeah, a, a handful of them in the, in, the, in the country and he gave me like a tyler radaray bike i just loved the dude and then fast forward whatever it was seven years and i'm traveling around europe with him racing on the team with him like so crazy do you reckon like you you see the guys that are in the u.s and they grow up there 
and it's like they never get to experience that yeah it's because sucks. they always grew that grew up there and they just end up like oh i hate josh grant i hate yeah. this and it's like Millsaps is a faggot you know like just mm-hmm. all this, that sort of like bullshit that people would say yep and it's like uh do you think people miss out on like getting to be you know have that kind of like almost like that fan moment or that appreciation yeah. for it or do you think it you can't have it when you grow up in like the center of where everything is yeah i'm like like i've traveled so much and had to do with so many different sides of racing and stuff like i've i've had some good races i've had a lot of shit races and you know i i kind of look back and i'm like i see all these guys that i've met like villapoto and and these guys that they have like like i couldn't believe that i've even met the guys yeah you know and then when you meet them you're like far out i kind of the like in my heart i kind of feel sorry for the guys mm. you know like my my life has been amazing like i my mate jack and and maddie and uh luke weaver we we spent most of our time fishing like yeah. walking creeks fishing building pushy jumps like you know making like little 50s like building those up and building tracks and like we had like a proper kid upbringing yeah. you know and and then I got to choose to go racing. Like when I turned 16, it was like, hey, mate, you got to start working. So I did my apprenticeship as a cabinet maker. And when I was building boxes, you know, I'd been cycling all morning and I'm at work putting boxes together for to build a kitchen. And I'm just dreaming. I'm like visualizing like, being at the strain titles and yeah and imagine winning it like winning races like you know forks and like, like, all that sort yeah of shit. like i couldn't even i couldn't even dream big enough to get to the states or something like that yeah. you know from the upbringing that i had was just so away from everything and i kind of look back now and i'm like i couldn't change that because like you said you go to america and these kids are like ripping and they're just like they're, so standard they're riding with Eli Tomac they're riding with Ken Roxon they're going up they're not going up and being like hey man can I have your autograph they're just like oh hey man what's up like yeah being cool are we we going to get lunch later or whatever like yeah they don't I'm like a 23 year old dude go over to Europe and I'm just like there's Stefan Evans like, yeah. you know I'm I class myself as a full grown man and I'm wetting myself yeah you know and I'm on a full factory team like I'm part of i'm a top 10 rider in the world like and i'm and i still get that feeling yeah. you know i lined up next to kenny on the weekend oh a few weekends ago and i'm just like yeah six is you know like i think that's a cool thing for me to have because i don't think they get that nah and and you'll always have that yeah and like racing will go away at some point and i think that's why you see dudes like hey don't say that it will mate <laughs> i tell ya. i don't know i think kingy's still racing in yeah New he's like 400 a eh? yeah he's like almost as old as his bike like almost as old as his cc's it'll be 450 should we day. try and do something i wonder if i can keep racing like at a at a good level like professionally and race your kid imagine that that'd be pretty sick eh? the only problem is i haven't got a kid yet so get on it bro while. start shagging oh, i've been trying have you yeah are you actually thinking about having a kid yeah fucking hell yeah that's full it's, on bro. it's gotta happen it's fucking scary mate <laughs> <laughs> i think about that and i'm like man i don't know if i could have a kid i can barely look after myself you saw how messy me ass <laughs> wouldn't work imagine if there's a kid up there just throwing shit around no well, maybe you need that because you'd step shit up maybe eh? Yeah. yeah everyone had it 
we'll look at all our parents. Like that's what trips me out is like mum and like I was probably like eight at the time that mm. like by now. So like if I had kids and mum and dad did, I'd have a fucking eight year old. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't imagine that. But just just a different time, eh? No, but they just got pregnant and, and were just, just like it. you just step up. Yeah, you just that's how it is. It's kind of no choice. It's like when your your car blows up, you're just like, well, well I've got to oh, fix this thing. Fix it. You yeah. know, like you just do it. Yeah. So the only thing is it lasts a bit longer, like good 16 to 20 years. Oh, dude. That's the only thing. But no, it's like for me, a lot of races, they race and they got kids and stuff. But I don't know. I'm Being an athlete for one, you got to be selfish. Yeah, you do. Like that's just how it is. And even though it's not my personality and my parents are both the most giving people in the world, I still am selfish because all I think about is myself, how to better myself, yeah. what I need to eat. You know, we go to a restaurant. Oh no, like I want to eat pasta here, tonight. I want to go here. Yeah. yeah. You know, the whole, that's what people don't understand is like as an athlete, that's all your life is. It doesn't, even though it comes across like, oh yeah, geez, he's eating out. Nah, man. Like, you're walking around for an hour trying to find something that has, like, that's clean, that just rice and some chicken, mm. you know? So, there's a lot of that side of it. And I couldn't imagine bringing a kid in. When I have a kid, I want to be taking them down the beach, taking them surfing, yeah. like, upbringing like I had, you know? Like, um, I'm excited for all our kids to grow up here, though, because, like, yeah. like me, you, Maddie, Sam, if we all have kids around the same time, yeah. like, because the way we all grew up, was just like every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, every weekend, staying yeah. it over for weekends, you know, the whole weekends and riding and yeah. build, like you said, building jumps, going up to the creek, fishing. Like, imagine how sick it'd be to like, oh, can you take little Johnny surfing with you and Alan this morning, mm. Todd? You know, and like the boys would be going surfing or yeah. or whatever, like even going to jujitsu together. Like, yeah. it it will be sick to like watch the crew yeah like and the kids all sort of grow up together because yeah, i can't see mental. i can't see them not being mates you know no you just force them really well like because we <laughs> yeah true <away. laughs> like, he's a dickhead he's spray painted my pants <laughs> don't worry mate just go for a surf well don't worry i spray painted his pants years ago it's fine he'll get over it <laughs> but like it will be sick to like watch them all grow yeah. up together and because i'm oh, man i just want to teach the thing with having a kid that i reckon is like because you just see so many fucking dipshits in the world. Yeah. And you just wonder, like, how much effort their parents put into them. Yeah. And, like, with us, like, we all had... Our parents put so much effort into us and, like, taught us so much stuff. Like... Yeah. And it was crazy living... When I was living in the States, it was real apparent, too, because we'd be filming in all these crazy locations and crazy places and like you go to alaska and like dudes be struggling to build a fire or you know just like little things like that like just basic stuff where it's like my dad taught me that when i was like super young yeah and it's a guy's like where'd you learn how to do that it's like well that's all we did bro yeah you know so it's like i'm excited to get the chance to like build a kid that's yours into like a really good person with like a lot of skills yeah that it requires effort from the father or the mother or the parents or whatever but it's like you get a chance to make like a little badass yeah oh i think of things like when we went to argentina we went out fishing and the guy's like oh, i've never been like how do i do this like i was like do what it's like an egg beater like i'm not telling you to use like a bait cast where it's gonna 
yeah, create yeah. like a crow's nest, like an egg bee, you flip the thing over and cast it in the water, like and you're good. What sort of retard are you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you get paid millions of dollars to ride a motorbike. You're a badass dude, and you're asking me, you should like, know this. What What's this thing do? Like, man, I haven't even asked you to tie a lure on yet. Yeah. Like, I'm not asking you to make the lure, you know. So that's where I'm grateful. You know, we we go there and and I'm showing these dudes how to fish, and I'm like five years younger than them or so mm. and then we're like pull up and i'm like oh i'm climbing up that cliff i'm gonna jump off the thing they're like what are you crazy and i'm like what do you do like yeah. honestly what else like did you do with a kid yeah yeah like i don't know yeah i'm 28 years old and i'm still trying to find trees to make yeah you know swings out of and just our upbringing was amazing the stuff we got up to and i i just I didn't really appreciate it till now. Like I've traveled so much. And like you said, you go to the country. Yeah. It's when you meet other people that are like badass dudes at what they do, but they can't do anything else. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I actually do have some like skills, you know? Like if everything like turned to shit, at least I could go out and catch a fish. Like we used to make spears and bow and arrows and like we used to shoot stuff and whatever. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Even like driving and stuff. Like we were driving when we were five. Yeah. Full cars. Yeah. You know, the whole the whole deal. And you get some people, it's like, oh, I can't drive a manual. <laughs> You're like, well, I remember one night. I know. I remember one night dad dislocated his shoulder um, coaching us at footy. His shoulder popped out and it yeah. was his left hand. So we couldn't change gears in the, in the Land Cruiser. So like I sat on his lap, drove all the way from like north cairns to edmonton yeah and i sat on dad's lap st- drove the steering he just did the throttle and clutch yeah and i'm sitting on his lap changing gears drove all the way home awesome, I, was like, I was like 11 years old yeah but it's like yeah it's that that's the sort of shit that excites me about a kid is yeah. it like you get to do all that and like not that you want to give your kid like you want to give him an advantage but yeah. it's more just the fact of like you just get a chance to give someone like a skill set they yeah. can just fully carry them that whole way through life. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, even I think about that now with jujitsu. Like, imagine if I was doing that since I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I could just feel the confidence you'd have as a kid. You'd never get bullied by anyone. Because yeah. I look at Judd's kid, man. Like, Axel. Like, have you seen all the shit? That, oh, like, yeah. Fucking <laughs> wide open, bro. Like, there, he fought this kid in Singapore that was probably like 20 kilos heavier than him. Yeah. Jumped on his back and fucking joke <laughs> and it's like that kid's ne- like i got bullied as a kid yeah. like i was always getting in fights and stuff but it's like i wasn't necessarily knew how to fight only learned how to fight because i got in fights yeah but it's like imagine if you just were that kid that no one ever fucked with yeah. ever because they're like they see your dad put on instagram that you're joking dudes out every yeah. day but you know just shit like that it's like such a crazy advantage for a kid going into his life yeah no it's it's pretty cool and i guess i i've felt that a little bit when we'd been doing some coaching schools you know mm. you have little kids on like 65s they're seven year old or something and as a racer you don't realize like you're like hey man like like you got to use your clutch and yeah. like you kind of go back to basics and i think that's what a kid would be like it'd be fun just to teach them like all the basic stuff and then you think about the stuff yeah. that you already do but you could do better yeah. like from coaching i've kind of taught myself a lot like picked up on a lot of things like just watching the kids and being like hey man like you need to do this this and this and then yeah. you walk away and you're like i need to do this this and this like yeah yeah it's it's kind of cool well that's like townley with his kid man like his kid 
fucking oh, yeah. rips. It's going to be insane. Yeah, it will be pretty rad, eh? And, like, can you imagine... Because what's going to happen, especially in, like, the GPs and stuff, is you're going to have, like, Liam Everts versus, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ben's kids. It's going to be, like... And then who, who else? Like, there's probably a million old dudes that were yeah. like really good and their kids are going to be coming up and, and well yeah you got the neck like when i was over there the older guys like strybos and max nagel and yeah they've all got their kids sort of coming as well have you seen liam it's evans cool. ride yeah stefan's kid I, I seen him when he was over there but then when he went to ben's um he made massive improvements and really yeah he's been killing it oh that's right because stefan sent him to ben's too yeah for I don't know, month or How cool months. is that, dude? Yeah. Like, that's pretty sick. Those guys are like full rivals, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teach up my kid. Yeah. Well, then Ben went and raced for Stefan on yeah, Suzuki. Yeah, that's true too. Eh? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, what did you make of the tracks over there? That's way different to what you think. Like, kind of like we do with everything, amp things up. Um, we watch it on TV. Australia only watches America pretty much. Like, you know, I did anyway. So you create this big bubble of like um, hype and everything's huge yeah, and stuff up. like that, you know. So when I got there, I was like, whoa, the, the start straight's not as long as I thought. Like they've got really short start straights. And it looks different on TV. It yeah. wide angle lenses yeah. and it's all yeah. the shit's up. And the here. track looks narrower than what... I imagine tracks are badass. The one thing that they kick ass at is preparing a track. They yeah. get the rippers and they rip the hell out of it. They water it. Then they come over and fluff it all up with the rotary hoe. Like it's, you can't do it any better. So the preparation of the tracks, the jumps aren't as big as I thought. Um, they're great. Like awesome jumps. I just, I found that the tracks were really good race tracks. Like, they just prepared really well the jumps are you're not getting this butterfly feeling going man i gotta jump that jump yeah for 30 minutes you know like nice nice jumps to watch but as a racer like not scary you jump at second lap so everything was really good the main difference i felt was coming down the hills their bumps i don't know their bumps felt like like soft yeah they're like they are dude eh? they're yeah. like you can hear a move almost yeah eh? yeah yeah and i was tripping out a bit i was like man these things are sucking me in they feel like mattresses yeah you know whereas our tracks and the gp tracks it's like skiddy like rattle your teeth out yeah. like even though they rip it and they'll get it's awesome the way they prepare tracks here also but it just they must have mulch and it. it's almost like they fill it full of helium or something like it just yeah. feels because you can hear it thud eh? yeah yeah that's it because over there i remember you'd film races and you could actually hear how fast dudes were going by how loud it was when they hit the bumps yeah because it's like thuds and you're not skidding down them yeah whereas i feel like in um in oz it's like like you're yep. actually you can hear your tires skidding it's like this hard jarring sound you're getting like chain slap and shit yeah but yeah over there you're right man there's the weird soft mounds of bumps and they they move a lot and then they, yep. they actually sound weird when you hit them yeah and then like colorado um yeah colorado is like this s-bend sort of before the finish area and it was ruddy you know yeah i remember that super thing, yeah. ruddy and i remember watching the race afterwards and seeing tomac sort of like coming through and he's leg dragging like in the first moto um so the first s i was going out very i jumped very wide like that and then i'd cut 
I'd turn like midway and cut across the ruts and end up on the inside where there's no rut and power down the hill. Like, and I do that a lot. That's sort of what I look for. When the rut gets too deep, I'm not going through there. I cut and, and I make ground up like that. And I wasn't able to do it on the next one, but I went and watched the MX2 race and I was like, oh, sweet. I'll be able to cut this way, go cut and then jump the little double around the hill. Like spot on. Like, and because you lose a little bit of time there, but then you accelerate and across them and you're building so much momentum down that next straight. Like mm. you can really attack then, saves energy, everything. And... Um, so I was looking at that and then before our race I went out and flattened it all oh really and I was like wow what's the deal with that and I was kind of like a bit gutted but then it goes back to how well the Americans do things like they like you know the commentators everything they make a show out of it like it's such a well run event that they don't want to see their pro dudes going into all these ruts with their legs off and looking like squids like they want to see proper racing and dudes hitting stuff hard so i kind of i respected that like the way that they did that um because like in europe it's it's brutal like i can't explain how brutal it is it it really is like the guys you're doing two days on the track and you turn up on the sunday and there's been no work done to the track it's rough like it's it's beat up and the gnarliest thing is there'll be like deeper ruts than I was just talking about and you're jumping like a quad down the hill like I'm talking you you'll go out there and you'll be scared like at some of the jumps the jumps they build are just incredibly big and um so a lot of the time the 250s don't jump the stuff like last year in Indonesia there was a triple down the hill like 250 no one jumped it all day and we're coming around you're just like lining these ruts up and just just every it. lap you're just going like huh. like you don't even think actually like you don't think anything you just come out of the corner and you just look at the thing and you almost hold your breath and you hit it and then when you land you're like oh yeah it's yeah it's it's full on is that why do you like because as a dude that's raced the gps and now some nationals in america why do you reckon that the euro dudes are smashing the american guys at the moment yeah, well, it's a combination of things. America's huge on Supercross, so they obviously do Supercross mm. and Motocross. So that's a massive thing right there. You know, Euro dudes are just racing Motocross. So it'd kind of be like if the Euro dudes come and race Supercross, you know, because they don't practice it. It's, it's kind of a similar thing like that. So they just live and breathe Motocross. So it's hard to compete with that just straight up. Um, but then they're doing two-day formats. So on the sad day is like what we just raced in america and then you wake up the next day and you walk to the track and you haven't scored one point yet you know so you're quite fatigued obviously because you've had a qualifying race that just gives you gate pick doesn't mm. really mean much and so then you go out and you're already the edge is off you because you're fatigued and and then you got two 35 minute motos to do on a rougher track which is gnarly so the thing you know you do start to see a bit more like kind of some of the tracks get so rough that it's almost like trail riding because it's you know because they are so beat up um but when you're in that program like when you're in the gp program the two-day event you get used to it and you don't doesn't bother you but then you notice it when you go somewhere else like Mm. when we come back to australia i was like the next day i was like 
after national i wonder if i should just go ride on monday like you know i, I don't feel anything our tracks are a bit smoother and and whatever just because of the volume of riders um our tracks are quite physical as well they're more styled to europe i think they, they get, get i think aussie tracks get rougher because it's so much more like bop, bop, like just yeah. point and shoot and it's it feels like it's always because it's not these big wide open sort of flowing tracks yep. so i feel like it gets pretty aggressive yeah. braking and acceleration bumps yeah and you got to be tricky like australia gets yeah gnarly ruts and like holes in them and stuff and you got to be tricky about like turning out and missing that big pocket and then wheeling in this bump and like australia that's why you see a lot of australian riders doing well around the world mm. not winning world championships or you know high high level but there's a good good stack of dudes that are not too bad um and especially coming through now we've got mitch evans over there um we've got young beaten you know there's a bunch of dudes wilson todd's just had a taste over in america he's definitely fast enough to to do something yeah he he went well at hangtown eh? yeah 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 so he's um it's difficult he had a similar thing to me like had some bad starts yeah so you know we'll see wilson if you get give him a couple good starts he'll perform for sure he's got the speed he can do it um it's just gotta it just takes time it, mm. it's all new for him it's um new tracks new team you know it'd be nice if he had eight or ten rounds where he'd settle in a little bit and, yeah and like get a rhythm going and then go i wonder with like i wonder when when the u.s started going back and doing motocross nations in like what was it like oh five or something i guess it would have been it's like i wonder if they were just winning because they it was like ricky carmichael and then it was james stewart and then it was dungy and villapoto it's like did, was it just that those guys were so good they had like those yeah. superstar level dudes but then now that it's like not saying eli's not a superstar or you know but they're not taking like those guys like ricky carmichael's in the conversation for the best overall motocross dude ever fastest dude ever yeah james is in that conversation you know they're the dudes that almost like took the sport to another level but it's like if you take them out do you think that this is what always would have happened to america and like motocross the nations Could, um just because the the euros are so focused on win like motocross all the time yeah but i think or do you just think the level stepped up in europe yeah now? i think the level in europe like you've had people like ken roxon come through as a young age and start kicking ass and he come over here um and obviously marvin as well but then you've had guys see the top dudes always come over like grant langston was over he comes over yeah you know and all, now they've sort of stopped a bit eh? all the dudes are being coming over like you name them tyler Raderay, ben townley they've all raced won world championships and then come to america and then you've got a dude like hurlings it's like well crowley's always kind of been there but hurlings is something different and he's just like man i just want to stay here and now all these younger kids are just like got him as a benchmark mm. and they're all just kicking ass like they're all pushing they all see what he does and he rides it you know you go ride and he's at the track all the time it's um not unusual to see jeffrey at the track because he rides more than anyone so you just got dudes on 80s you know and hunter and jet lawrence are classic example you know they they were at the tracks around these dudes and hunter's over there doing well now well his brother is about a replica of him at the moment mm. and the kid's only just 15 
So you reckon so, Jets as fast as Hunter? Oh, look, you know, like talking to his old man, he's like, man, he's going hard. I didn't, I didn't actually see him, but uh, last year I seen him ride in in um, Europe, and he's winning MX. Um, yeah, what's the what's it called? The European, BMX, yeah, yeah, European Championship races. It's pretty he's ridiculous, them. eh? No, that's not normal, yeah. honestly. Like, and that's what I kind of get upset about here. Is it's like, like, as a kid, I'm fishing and all this kind of stuff, and I look back and I'm like, I was 15 years old, faster than anyone at home, any of the pro, like the seniors, anything. Yeah. But I wasn't allowed to go at a practice day on the track with him. Yeah. Like, it, no juniors and seniors has to be split and blah blah blah, because of safety. Safety. What do you mean safety? I'm faster than all the seniors here. And you think it's safer for me to ride with dudes that are like... 20 seconds a lap slower. Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't it be unsafe for me to be in there? I should be in with the, the dudes that I am faster than. Yeah. Like, and they just always holding you back, holding you back. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's holding you back. You go do practice days. Hey, man, can I do 30-minute motos? Nah, sorry, bro. 15s today. You're like, like, yeah, always. It's just always like a constant stepping on your head sort of thing and then the lawrences you know they go over man jet's like he's 14 year old kid and i'm just like he's going around me man like and why because he's actually out there with me to go around me yeah 14 years old i don't know what size pants i don't think they even made adult pants for that guy like when he was racing it was like he's just such a little dude on the bike and he's just kicking everyone's butt and i just i felt like crying i was like this is this is how yeah, it, it needs be. to be yeah this kid's out there because when you're 14 you don't get tired like you know the training doesn't really matter you just as long as you're riding the just bike riding, 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 riding. you don't really it's not till you get 18 19 that you need to start doing serious physical training off the bike to even be able to make the motos you know yeah whereas when you're 14 you can ride all day you don't really get sore that much and he's just ripping and because he's had the opportunity he's chasing his brother around Stefan Everts is out on the track testing the they're testing not, the bike saying that you can't go out unless it's with the 80s yeah so that's the difference like he's out there and Everts is like hey man just jump on with me let's do a moto follow me so 14 year old kids doing 30 minute moto following one of the best dudes in the world you know over here no sorry man you're just gonna have to do those 12 minute motos mm like and that's what i get a bit upset about and and kind of i guess like i look at because dean and i grew up together and the stuff that both of us have kind of achieved in europe and that i'm sort of like like i remember standing on the box and just being like how's this even possible like like what it shouldn't happen you know honestly like it's because of our you see everyone else how they go about things and and I'm not practicing starts. I'm just flicking up against the thing, trying to catch that little brim, <laughs> like, you know? So, um, that's where, yeah, it would be nice if I know it's a lot of safety things and bits and pieces. And I do agree 60 shouldn't be on the track and stuff like that, but be nice if you seen a kid like Hunter when he was 14 or 13, you know, Hey man, like, like how come he can't race with us? Like, mm. if he's fast enough to jump in with us, you know, at the sunny states, because there's normally only a couple of pros, we're almost lapping the whole field. Chuck the kid in with us, you know? Like, 
then you'd have world champions for sure because we've nearly got world champions in australia like with people stepping on heads yeah ferris he he won some gps in the mx2 class you know imagine if him and i had that sort of pushing you know where we were really seriously pushed um like racing and stuff at a young age you know same with you know um there's like a, a ton of guys like hunters going over there you know i just think there's such good potential here in australia for the results that everyone's getting at the moment mm. you know it, it's definitely something to learn learn from because we've got a strong country to be able to prepare for the world like our tracks and stuff we've got deep sand tracks we've got the hardest hard pack tracks we've got what we need in america it's difficult to find that stuff yeah um you know from here i've got i've got a gnarly sand track and i've got hardest hard pack tracks i've got rip tracks during the week i can prepare for the world pretty easily here in australia whereas when i go to california it's like it's all the sort of the same it's all super prepped well even though they're like oh yeah but you can ride glen helen you can ride this and i'm like yeah but it's not rough man like every time you go there it's smooth you know i've got tracks here that they don't get prepped ever they're private Mm. tracks and ever i mean you go around you take crew there and they're just like do 10 minutes like man i can't hang on my back's burning you know like that's that's lommel material yeah sort of there whereas it's kind of i know they have stuff in the states but it's like Elden baker stuff and like yeah different bits and pieces so and even they're prepping it pretty much like it's gonna be for the race conditions yeah it is super frustrating like the and i mean even like the last time you come on here we talked about it heaps it's like do you think mick fanning would be world champion if every time it got over two foot at snapper they pulled the kids out of the water yeah it's like nah man you get to figure out if you think you can fucking surf yeah and make that drop from behind the rock then go and do it yeah and it's like john john florence surfing pipeline at like 11 yeah (laughs) that's that's why he's the best surfer in the world right now yeah it's like if you get kids and it's like you can't you can't pull them back and you can't make them feel like something isn't in their league and you know you can't put ceilings on these guys that and expect them to grow up to be like the best in the world yeah you know you you have to there has to be no ceiling like you do have to be safe but like dude we've seen guys that you know i've had fucking my shoulder completely smash apart from like falling just like basically stalling in a fucking sand berm that was in a hill yeah and it's like that's the slowest crash you can have and it just destroyed my shoulder yeah so it's like and then you can have crashes that are enormous and you walk away yeah so it's like you can't protect kids against crashing yeah and like how bad it's gonna be you know based on who's on the track with them or how long the moto is like if they if you've got those kids that like want to be special and they want to be the best in the world like you can't handicap those kids based on like what you think is safe or what your fears are and i mean how many people making the rules at ma have like raced motocross or you know what sort of experience are we even talking about here yeah to like where they are making rules and i mean i don't know maybe they are super experienced and have raced for whatever but it's like i i if i had to bet i wouldn't think that would be the case yeah well it just goes to show like in europe you've got the opportunity to be a badass kid whereas here you can't like over there you can actually make a living as a kid 
because you are winning races. You mm. got that opportunity. Like Tonkov, when I got friendly with him, he raced his First Nations when he was 14. That's so gnarly. MX Nations. And Prado, um, in 2016, I lined up on the start line. He was next to me on the factory KDM and he just turned 15. And, you know, like, like I wish I had that opportunity. Like, that would have been insane, mm. like, to be able to do that. But, unfortunately, I can't. It's impossible, like, to be able to do that here. Like, even if I put my name down, they'd be like, oh, no, you're junior, man. Like, yeah, you can't do it. You just can't physically do it. And the result of that is Ken Roxon's. Ken was a young, young kid. You got Parado now. Hurlings was the same. Yep. So, all these guys are just incredible and and people look at them and they're just like man like jeffrey and like ken like from australia they're just like man it's insane and i'm like nah it's not insane i'm like it's insane that dean can go over there yeah and stand on the top step of the mxgp mx2 class and like myself stand on the on the podium at um at majura in the mxgp class like that's not right that's crazy like it isn't right because you didn't get the same chances no well it's only gonna happen like Prado when I seen that kid he was 13 or 12 when I was over there and he was at the track with us in Spain riding on 85 and 125 with us and I was like oh who's and they're like oh yeah it's Spanish kid and um my girlfriend Jill she was going swimming in the mornings and he was he was going swimming there and she was chatting with him and he's like yeah I'm I'm state champion well spanish champion for swimming and you know like this kid like you look at that and you're like yeah well he's gonna be world champ like why not yeah he should be like it's the only thing that stops these people are injuries and that's unfortunate but 100 percent, and you've seen it it's hurlings as world champ Prado's yeah, but there's world no champ. one trying to keep him down yeah they're just going just go for it yeah so they just have full backing so i think that's a a big thing and um you know obviously hey i'm older dude now like it's not like i've kind of had that opportunity and i'm thankful for everything i've done um i'd just love to be able to try and help get kids you know to do things differently to what i did obviously have a good life and everything like that but man if you like i believe in racing if you could get top kids like i'm sure if we went to australian titles and the dudes winning those classes they could race with us like 14 15 year old kids i wouldn't lap them i don't reckon but i'm lapping lots of dudes at the nationals now mm. so that's yeah it'd create full gates it'd create a high level in australia like and it's really you just be specific with who you choose like it's like a pro license if you're good enough you get a pro license it's no difference whether what age you are i think that would be pretty cool man that's a it's a really good point and i always think about um the loretta's kids like they're 15 16 and they're on 450s yeah like they're letting them ride 450s there's a 450 pro class a 450a a 450b a 450 pro sport yeah so it's like even that they're getting a chance as these kids to ride like bigger bikes they're getting a chance to go faster like i mean there's arguments to be made that it's not super safe but it's like is it any more dangerous than 
uh, going over the bars on a 250 is it anymore like i just don't think that's the game that you can play like we're not in a risk management sport we're just in a risky sport if that yeah. makes sense yeah we're yeah like you said it's a risky sport like i don't really go base jumping because i i feel it's quite risky you know but those dudes do it and they don't care and that's kind of how i am with riding like i've done it forever i don't see it risky so mm. i do it so people involved in motocross they're not doing it hoping that they don't hurt themselves it's not even in your mind because really it's not really a dangerous sport when it comes down to it like the amount of hours that we put in and the injuries that we have is quite small so it's that side of it i just think people get so caught up in that these days with everything like yeah it just blows me away it'd be nice if we just could go back like when i was younger and just kind of just go racing mm-hmm. you know there's now i can't have push bikes at the tracks and there's just like heaps of just just going 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 i'm not sure why i'm not sure what the the thing is about it all because there's people getting sued still mm-hmm. you know like i believe like qmp's got a case on i don't know if it's been or done or whatever but you know what was that for do you know some kid hurt himself on one of the tracks and yeah so yeah there's if you're gonna sue you can't stop it yeah true it doesn't matter the rules i think the 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 thing that it's like a really good example of all right we're obviously not doing something right if you get jet and hunter leave at 10 and 14 and literally never take a look back at australia again yeah and be like Felicia yeah i'll see you when i've won some world titles won some ama titles cashed up probably might not even ever come back like look at chad same thing it's like the dudes that have had legit success and not just motos here and there and good you know good podiums like yourself like the dudes that have won championships Mm. and made this like legacy style career they said peace out australia yeah we're never coming back and it's like that to me is it's like it's sad that that's what it comes to but that's the reality of it and it it's like if you're if you're at motorcycling australia or if you're running the nationals or whatever it's like that to me is i I don't think there's an excuse like the writing's on the wall like there's something wrong here people don't feel like they can compete at the top level by living and racing the series that you guys put on under the motorcycling australia association that you guys govern like people are leaving the only people that do good leave here yeah and that to me is like isn't isn't that a red flag like shouldn't that be something that we're all just going like hmm all right what do we got to do different because it's like isn't that the goal to have these guys like they can live here they can stay with their families they don't have to sacrifice their entire life just to go and win and it's like, you know, you look at um, Townley, he's, it's not like he's just left and never went back. Like, he feels like he's got what he needs in New Zealand to make shit happen. Yeah. But it's like in Australia, it's just everyone's just like rats off a ship. Like, if you want to take this seriously and you want to do well. And I wonder now with how good Hunter and Jed are doing, if that's going to open up the floodgates and like everyone's going to start leaving. I wonder if that is gonna be like this new norm that we see over maybe like the next 10 years we see like four families that just 
completely dip out and it's like you'd got to think that imagine if we had hunter and jet racing here before they left or they could go from here straight to america Mm. it's like imagine how much that would lift up all the riders here because not it's not like they're just going to win every moto they ever race like there's going to be a few kids that would challenge them or a few riders that start beating them and battling with them and it's like all of a sudden the, the overall level just starts to lift yeah i think like it's that's a difficult point because for one like you're chasing world championships like so you're gonna have dudes you know if, if you're at the top level you're gonna leave like yeah. that's just how it is but but I not do, at 14 or 12 yeah but i do agree with um you know i i feel sorry for a lot of the promoters because of the rules that have been put in place that's the tricky part they get with handicapped yeah well the promoters get you know it's easy to point fingers at the promoters mm. um of the events like oh this event's crappy or blah 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 and that's what i've kind of seen now it's, they kind of don't have control of a lot of the things yeah that makes sense there's a lot of rules and stuff coming in and unfortunately they're the first ones to get blamed like oh this championship shit um because we can't ride our push bikes or we can't do this or this or this or whatever but then the an actual fact the poor poor promoters like well I can't it's not it. us yeah yeah so that's the biggest thing i see and i feel sorry for um and i don't i don't really know how to how to speak about it because like like in all honesty i'd i'd love to be a part of helping like that's a big thing that i'd love to do now like i've done some coaching stuff and and i really enjoy that and i'd love to be able to help and guide and you know make changes to be able to improve our racing yeah like that's that would be because i'm very passionate i love racing i love motorbikes i love the whole side of it i feel like i've got a fair bit of experience from around the world now yeah you've raced in all the big series now yeah like see how it all works and like honestly there's just heaps of little little things like you know i did three rounds over there and we got the hard charger award and then we got the privateer award and it was like you know at the end of the day the hard charger award like it's ricky carmichael hard charger award um like it's a awesome trophy like you know but it's not like they're massive huge trophies you know like they get gangster trophies that they get guitars and like yeah. you know they put a big effort into their trophies um so their trophy like they give it out at the next riders briefing like everyone's at riders brief and they give out the hard charge and privateer award and and it just makes you feel sick yeah. like i was like hard charger award is that means you pass the most dudes in yeah, both motos right like you charge through and it's even though to most people it's like and to a professional like oh whatever but that just means they got a bad start cruise up and you get the hard charger award like and you're like i'm stoked on it yeah you know like honestly like i i look back and and i'm not like i used to be like you know you get stuck in a quite a mindset like man i need to win i need to win like yeah. third shit like whatever um because that's kind of how i was when i got my podium in italy i was i was kind of like mad but i want to win like yeah. i'm standing on the podium going like how can i get there you know sometimes like now i'm quite big on like appreciating and like smelling the roses because that's something that i kind of missed when i was over there um you just always like oh this should be better this should be better this should be better you don't realize like man what the teams actually do for you 
like the people involved what your trainer's given up like to help mm. you get there your girlfriend like there's yeah, huge things it's so easy to just put the blinkers on and just you know you don't realize like the gear dude who's given you like seven sets of gear at every race and he's missing and his family and, and he's missing his kid yeah just to be there like all this stuff until you, it kind of goes and then you're like man so that was like a big thing for me like hard charge award was like was sick privateer award you know it's just little things that um you know i think i'd like to be a part of and and help out like with our stuff here in australia you know it's to give different little awards out and and to you know have some stuff like my fondest thing when we were kids at at mariba club days we used to have like bmx tracks built man. yeah there used to be holes everywhere we used to just dig holes and build doubles put fires in them and jump them hey if you land in the fire That's you're your a loser yeah you know you, you are up, son. yeah like it don't matter go wins to your mum. you burnt your foot heels up happy days you know it's not big deals you know and now you can't ride your bike you can't do that stuff and and i feel sad mm. like this mischief we got up to as kids like we were we were terrors we're the amount of times that not my mum and dad smacked my bum yeah. for doing things i remember sonia nash smacking our bum lining us all up <laughs> smacking our bum because we're throwing rocks at each other we'd stand at each end of a berm and be pegging rocks over at each other you know someone gets hit in the head runs to mum sonia lines us all up and smacks our bum you know like yeah it's, these things happen i don't know i don't think rules and that kind of stuff need to be put in place i just yeah i think that's where the fun i wouldn't say fun because racing a bike's fun but you're not just there to race though no nah, no it's not because it's such a family sport that's what i love about it is you know your mum and dad you come and everyone's kind of there and it's just like a it's more than just racing a bike and now i feel like it's racing a bike yeah like the championships are like riders briefing at eight like i go to a sunny state now and it's like riders briefing at eight ride race and then you know presentation and i'm like i turn up there and i'm like where are the kids at like mm. you know i oh, know they race on saturday i'm like oh fair enough like and then it you race and then where's presentation oh i don't really know no one's there like mm. it's kind of just it's like everyone's like man we gotta get in and just get out like yeah. it's lost whereas like the vibe's gone yeah whereas it used to be like all of us you know i remember when you got your first car like yeah. turned up at Maria and you had like that black <laughs> ant clothing that you started yeah, up yeah, the old Triton yeah that was Jacob's old car yeah and you had like subwoofer in it and we didn't have cars and I remember being on me pushy then and like just I don't I think we got we'd leave the track at night time because the parents are oh, talking man, and we would be at the races for like, fucking yeah. hours after the race was done yeah and that's what I like that's like we used what to stay and cool. walk the track after every race and like talk yeah. about all the lines and all the shit that was you know like all yeah. that sort of stuff and i'm not talking about like nationals because nationals it's our job and it's a professional event you know like that's different well i think that's what like that's why you're seeing like the transmoto stuff be so popular there's like there's some rides um man people always message me be like you always leave out this one but um i can't remember the name of it but mick does it and it's like a big trail ride just goes all through and there's like hundreds of dudes and it's like it's just for 
it's fun and yeah. i think that that's why you're seeing those events do so well now yeah and like day in the dirt's massive because it's like yeah you're there to race and like the racing's fun but it's like all the other shit's what you really talk about yeah you know like me and sam raced each other last day in the dirt yeah but it's like b- barely what we talked about we that was like one sentence of like fucking we did this and we yeah. did this and it's like so i mean i don't know that's why i think that that stuff is coming back yeah well my uncle sends photos like a hundred photos my old man about the rim stickers that he's put on yeah you know on his wheels like on his rims he he couldn't really care going to a race racing and pin it back because he just wants to be there and show everyone his rim stickers yeah like that's as stupid as it sounds that's what's cool about motorbikes is the parents especially the parents of junior kids is remember we all like get our wheels anodized like the hunters have blue yeah, wheels yeah. and everyone turn up and be like yeah sick well that was the parents thing yeah we turned up like check out the pushy that i painted like yeah. let's go build a jump like oh i put like a smaller sprocket on the front like all the kids you know we we're just like into that and it was kind of racing sick but that's what i see the biggest change from when i raced dirt bikes when i was a kid my junior career to now is like yeah it's like a it's almost more of a race to the event and home than yeah than what it used to be like you know toowoomba had the troy carroll bar like troy carroll was the man back in the day and um won so many championships and toowoomba done a bar for him and that's where everyone hung out like after the race it's not necessarily about getting on the piss because it wasn't like my dad don't drink much at all but it was just like sitting around just talking stories yeah yeah, and having like the mariba breakups like we used to have slip and slides and the stuff that we used to get up to well good example there used to be oh half a dozen of us kids and i was the one driving in the suzuki jeep jumping the jumps around the track yeah you know picking up all the flags and stuff at the end of the race can you imagine that now no you couldn't do it now eh? imagine going to like to like your local club here and and like a 14 13 year old kids in there with half a dozen kids like you know and i I don't know it's not like i'm like man that shouldn't happen but it just does happen i know things can happen and whatever like injuries and stuff but they don't do they yeah like i don't know i'm not sure i mean we were all fine I'm not sure because the most dangerous thing I think I've ever done. So in Atherton up in Cairns, it floods, it rains. I, don't, I think it's only just stopped raining now from the start of the year. Proper rain. Now, the thing that we did was we used to go in and get car tired um, tubes and we used to go down the flooded rivers. Now, I got mum to pick us up at Melanda one day because we ended up I'm talking it's like a 40 minute drive from our house <laughs> at Melanda and I got mum to come pick us up and she just went mental because it yeah it's sketchy I remember <laughs> going off these waterfalls and stuff and there's no chance you could get me to do it now like I'm a full grown dude and I feel like I'm like I'm in for a, for a challenge like you know I'm not scared of much like I'll have a crack but that's gnarly yeah nowadays you're like fuck that the stuff that we went off like you're just like what if like we didn't have that as kids what if 
what if there's a log under there, man? Like facing this way, and you go off the waterfall and land on it. Yeah. Like, we didn't check the water. Didn't even know if there's rocks down there. Oh, mate, Jack would be in front, and Jake in front of him, and be like, "You reckon we go down?" And Jake would just be like, "Yep, push him off." He goes down. Yeah, he made it, so we go down. Like, but did we get hurt? Like, I broke my first bone when I was like 19 when I broke my collarbone. Yeah, but I think it's like the more you wrap a kid up in co- cotton wool the it's like a callus you yeah. know what i mean like we didn't get hurt that much as kids because it was like you just you always did it so it's like you had a callus of getting hurt but then i think when you like wrap a kid in bubble wool there's no uh in cotton wool there's no um that they're not tough they're not you know you don't develop like that thick skin or that ability to be like dodge this or swim yeah they don't it, know, know what happens when yeah. the current's pulling you down the, to the next waterfall and you got to swim grab the tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah well like but that's the stuff where it's like i think it's the more you wrap a kid up in yeah in cotton wool or whatever it's like the more chance they do have of getting hurt because it's just the exposure is not there yeah so then when when they do decide to do some dumb shit one day they're completely not prepared for it whereas like i feel like at least we were pretty prepared for dumb shit because like yeah. we did a lot of dumb shit yeah like dude i remember we made at cliff two one day and we made that was big eh? <laughs> i think it, we, we called it like cliff 2.2 or something like that <laughs> and we made like a we walked up higher and we made like a mud slide down to where you jump off and it was just piercing down and that it was just that red clay so we made this mud slide man and i remember there was like a we there was like a rock in it and i just like we didn't pull it out and I remember the first time I did it, I hit that fucking rock, man. I thought I completely broke my asshole off. <laughs> and then it sent me upside down and I'm just winding the windows down, upside down. Just landed on my fucking back, man. Just flat and like just full crumpled me, eh? I just, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but it's like, oh, well, not doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, but there's just endless stories. Like I remember doing a double backflip for the first time. We're at Russell Lock. And then it was pitch black at night. And I was just that amped that I could do a double flip. So swing out, double flip, land in the water, easy, swim down, well, swim to come up, and I hit my face on the ground. Like, <laughs> I'm nearly out of air, man. You yeah. know, but you, you don't die. Like, all this stuff, like, there's heaps of stuff. But yeah, kind of got off subject a little bit. I was funny. I was just thinking then, I was like, I'm such a hypocrite. Like, I watch podcasts, you know, like I'm podcast is new, you yeah. know, I only knew about it when you start doing them. I'm not in savvy with all this sort of stuff. I just got Instagram. I Do think. you start listening to, have you started listening to any podcasts though? Yeah. So Maddie's sending me bunch of podcasts. Yeah. So yeah. there's like, like an SAS dude, like a podcast about him. And so I put it on, I'm like, Oh sick. Like I love that stuff. So he comes on, starts yarning, like, like this and i'm just like man get on topic bro like <laughs> tell me about who you shot through the like yeah like how many like dudes like jumped you and like when you got zip tied up and and you like they threw you in the water and you had to like get out of it yeah. like i want to hear stuff yeah. you know and it's pretty funny because i was like shit we're bad like you can talk with a your hand in your mouth underneath the water yeah. and that's how you got this job like I was actually laughing when we were, when I was driving here. I was like, man, this is so funny. <laughs> like, went from spray painting your pants when I first met you to just, like, 
and you going off, I think you were still talking when you were in the house. Like, <laughs> and that's what you do now. Like, you got a successful podcast studio and, like, it's just insane, you know? It's, and I was just some young kid riding a bike and that's what I do now. And And I love to talk and now we're here just talking crap. I think we spoke about my trip for, like, five yeah. minutes. But it's funny, <laughs> though, like, because that's the thing that it it's sort of like, I mean, it doesn't really give me the shits, but you see people, they'll be like, like when Jack Freestone was on The Surfer, I was talking to him for like 20 minutes about why I should read fucking books more. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and people get the shits. And then it's like, you're not in there, bro. Like, we're just yep. talking. Like, yeah. I'm not actually thinking about, not thinking about yeah, not other scripted. people listening to it either. Because like, you know, you might want to hear about one thing. This dude wants to hear about another. I don't know what people want to hear about. Like, yeah. the reason this podcast, people listen to it, it's not because I know what people want to listen to. Yeah. You know what I mean? They and just like your voice and stuff, eh? No, no, not that. <laughs> but it's like, but people, um, yeah, when people come and they get, like, in their head, like, I want to hear this, it's like, fuck, dude, sorry, you might, you might not. Yeah. Like, because, you know, you, then you'll just start talking, you'll go off on a random fucking tangent about, yeah. you know, going down rivers or whatever. But, like, yeah. but it's sick because it's just what you want to talk about at yeah. the time. So, like, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's weird, though. Like, it's weird that this is even a thing, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think it's more, people want to be able to, I don't know because I don't listen to podcasts that much. Like I said, like I listen to SAS dude and I'm just like, man, you need to tell me some cool shit, you know? Um, and I guess it's more people want to hear what they're doing. Like if Eli Tomac, you know, they want to know like how often do you wear a cowboy hat, man? Why? You yeah. know, because we all watch them. We all know what they get up to. Like, honestly, to tell you the truth, if I heard a podcast from them, I'd I'd want to hear like, like Tomac's known out on the ranch and stuff. I want to hear like how he learned about lassoon and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't give two shits about his training because yeah. I do my training. Like, that's great. And he ain't gonna tell me about his training anyway. I'm, I tell some things, but I'm not telling you all my training. Like yeah. that's just how an athlete is. But you know, you want to hear about stuff like, you know, I guess like my chick loves surfing. We all love surfing. The other day we went for a surf, and I think the waves were the smallest. I've ever surfed like they weren't even as big as this table it was we had a ball it was fun but I guess people want to hear more about what well, the athletes like, are aren't they well I think that the thing is that like you just can't it's so subjective of like what people want to hear like it's mm. it's over a hundred thousand people a month that listen to the show mm. I can't survey those people and figure out what they want and so I don't know like well you that, could just send an email out just like, text them you know how you do email a group, do a group text you know all those shitty emails I get from everyone I don't have an email thing though I should do that yeah you should just like but like the, the thing you just, just can't spam people you just can't cater to what people want it like want to hear unfortunately yeah. like you just gotta have the chat that you can have you know and like hope people like it because that's the thing like I thought about this before like I was I was writing down some stuff yesterday because like it is it's kind of weird because this is like a business but it's sort of not like mm. it's it's like a weird business because all i'm doing is just talking to people that i like but you've got to make a business around it so that you can keep doing it i and don't know if you've ever gone in to get a home loan and said that you're a you ride motorbikes for a job really like you should try doing that <laughs> like you say like this is a business but not really but i'm sure if you went in there and said 
oh yeah um what do you do for work what's your profession oh i, I do podcasts they'd be like oh yeah sweet yeah, that's awesome like is, yeah. you know you go in you're like oh i race dirt bikes and they're like oh yeah but like, what do what you do, you do? do? <laughs> you're like yeah i'm that retard that rides motorbikes like you know it's pretty funny that stuff actually did you so like when you got your loans and stuff was it was it actually hard because of your job oh yeah really massive because you're self-employed for one we're on like a 12-month contract you Mm. know so a bank just looks at you and just goes what like are you serious mate like you need to go get a job you're like well been doing it forever like and the only thing that gets us like all the motorbike guys that get loans and stuff is we go in and we're like hey we want to get a loan this and that we want to buy this house and then they're just like oh oh yeah okay well you're gonna have to have this deposit and this and this and we just go oh yeah i'll double it here you go yeah right like that's only like a motorbike dude you know that's because you're self-employed one-year contract all this sort of stuff high risk flags everything yeah we got to have the deposit of the world (laughs) dude i've never even thought about that yeah it's huge like that side of it like honestly i'd i'd be able to get a house loan way easier if i worked at bunnings and as a professional motorbike rider that's crazy it's just yeah. that we've got we've got the ability to win races because yeah. it's all bonus structured um obviously we get a wage in that but they just count that out like banks so it's all about um the deposit really that's crazy yeah i've never really even thought about well i've never even tried to get a home loan so i'm just like fucking i got to figure that shit out at some point. <laughs> yeah, have a kid first. Yeah, I know. Fucking hell, that's <laughs> even worse. Um, but yeah, like it is... Um, yeah, it's, it's funny like when you do this sort of... St- or like it's... I mean, I feel like for you though, like it's easier to structure because it's like you sort of know what you got to be doing. This has mm. been like a weird business for me because I'm like... I wake up in the day and it's like this morning I knew you were coming on we had a time blah 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 get up take the dog for a run fucking do some emails set up the studio this is on and then now like i can edit it and blah 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 but it's not like i'm doing that every day yeah so it's like you'll do maybe two a week but then i got all that time and there is it takes time to do tons of other like setup stuff but it's like it's been weird to figure out like how to even go about just like a daily like running this as a business yeah like it's been weird like because i've always just had like editing to do 24 7 then i've always i've like got editing projects on and then i've got um filming stuff and it's always overlapping and you're always juggling the two it's like there's always something to do whereas this is just like it's it's weird there's a little bit more freedom but i still want to treat it like a full-time business yeah but at the same time i don't want to just like spam cunts all day (laughs) yeah but that's the cool thing about that's being self-employed and run your own business like anything if you're a builder electrician blah blah blah, you go out on your own all of a sudden boom like same thing you got to go get a job oh yeah i'm i'm just wiring up some old mate's light today like because i've got nothing else on you know and then you might not have any work and it just builds and builds like soon you might be doing podcasts every day and editing you'll be like man i need to employ someone yeah that's true eh? like that's just a business like you know, we've seen it with, with Maddie. you know, yeah. with management and doing that stuff. Like, he's just grown and grown and created, like, a great great business, you know. And it's like anything, you know, whether you're a builder or whatever, investing in homes, it's yeah. it's all the same, eh? Man, it's, it blows me away, like, um, keep pushing this closely. 
No, I'd get away from that thing. I know. You'd like every... Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that like the group and uh, we had um, Jesse Dobson and Nathan Crawford on uh, last week mm. and they were laughing like fucking cans man like you boys are so weird like from up there like because it was so different <laughs> why because we don't wear the the tight pants with all the holes in them and the denim jacket <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like the the crew that we had like it is pretty crazy like maddie kills it with toby sam kills it with fist you know like you got not that Sam grew up with it. I was gonna it. say <laughs> Sam's known, not from um, Sam's from Tassie. It's yeah, like but I've complete known him opposite. Since I was like eighteen. Yeah, so still. But aren't of, you talking about cans? Yeah, true. But like you look at what Jats did. You look at what Wade Hunter. Now you look at the Evans brothers. Yeah. like it is a trip that that little crew. But then even now, like down in Burley, it feels like you got like Maddie Mac. You got my yeah. Maddie. You got Alan Hart. But well, dude, even Alan Hardy's from Cairns. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty crazy the crew that you end up like, that we were all surrounded by and now everyone's just, feels like everyone's killing it. But it's not weird. That goes back to like I'm saying, like with the kids over in Europe kicking ass, like they're given that opportunity sort of thing. When we were sort of growing up, it was, to tell you the truth, like Alan was kind of not part of like he's done yeah, we it. we weren't hanging out with him all the time. No, well he's kind of gone off before us. Yeah, true. Like, he i did a film with him when i was young 16 or something like he did a little part um with me in it but he sort of left first um but all of us we fed off each other yeah you know it was like i won an aussie title when i was 12 um like i was the oldest of them all like i won an aussie title and then pete richo built amazing tracks and like gave us the opportunity uh we'd ride twice a week down yeah, at Pete's and there'd be Jats, Mitch. Mitch was, when I was riding, he was, oh, he was on a 50 and that a 60. That sort of does speak to what you were saying. With, Everyone. Like, because, yeah, we weren't like, well, I was a senior when you guys were still juniors, but it's like you guys weren't allowed to ride with the the um, seniors, mm. but you were allowed to ride with like Wes Jenkins and then like at, at Richo's place yeah. and then Mitch was able to ride with you and Jats yeah. was... So and Wade, so those boys all were able to like ride off the back of you, yeah. And then like you, yeah, like because Wes was there a bit, yeah. So it's like at least in the training side of things, like everyone got to be yeah. together, everyone got to push themselves, and like Pete would always build tracks where it didn't matter if you're on a two fifty or an yeah. eighty five. So it's like Jats would be super fast as well. Yeah. Well, I seen it with, like, I started winning races and we'd go to an Aussie title, and I think. One year, we brought five Aussie titles back to Cairns. That's you know? crazy, eh? I was the first... When I won that Aussie title, it hadn't been done in, I think, like 25 years, and that was only once it had been done. From Cairns? Yeah, from, like, it? the area. Oh, I don't know. An older guy. But I just remember mum and dad saying that. Really? And then, a few years later, like, we were all trained together. We'd ride... You know, my program was Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday. Thursday. We'd ride, and everyone was coming, and... You know, I remember hopping in the Bobcat and building jumps for the 50s and we used mm. to just ride all like the whole hours, time, yeah. hours and hours. Just, I remember like the flat track even, yeah. like that was sick. So that just goes to show like like myself, I sort of set like a bit of a a thing, you know, and then all of a sudden I won Aussie titles and they, like people were like, oh man, like, like we need, we can do that, you know? Yeah. And then I turned senior, won senior races. And so then it gives like a proper 
where people are hungry because they're like Todd's I just Todd's up, been yeah, riding like yeah. with us all the time like he ain't nothing special like you know and, and then they push like that's my kind of point like if I had like if that was around me like because I was feeding off jets and that mm. in actual fact like Wes come every now and again but you know we were kind of similar yeah I was gonna say you'd be the same speed as him anyway. um, like you're probably faster yeah. back then like imagine if Villapoto was there yeah. and I'm you know then it's just time and it's kind of gonna happen you mm. know like you've seen with all the boys I rode with the whole time Mitch is on a 65 he's in Europe now yeah like Dean went to Europe I got myself over there fair chance Mitch is like man I need to be over there like yeah you know like it just it creates momentum and and from a business side as well you guys are involved like we're all there and then well you that's know, like the only reason really I think that my film and stuff took off is like because I was around you and then like you'd I'd go from that to then we'd be doing the Queenslands and then yeah. you'd introduce like you know I'd be like getting to know Ford and then yeah my first ever interview I did was with Reardon so it's like that yeah it was just being around those guys all the simple. time yeah like for me like you're like hey bro like oh i got this camera i want to come out and film i'll be like shit yeah like yeah so you come out build a video and i thought it was great so i'm promoting the hell out of it yeah. and it just steps through everyone then you're in the states same thing maddie got a gig with johnny yeah and um i was doing some stuff with maddie like with um von zipper and gopro and this and that yeah and then I went to Europe and Maddie was on, he's always on to me about the social media stuff. I was like, bro, you just run it. Like, yeah. like I'll give you some cash. You, you look after that. Like, and obviously Toby, he was living with Toby yeah. and it's just that simple. Yeah. Like, honestly, like Maddie was there with Toby. Um, I was doing stuff in Europe. He had two quite good athletes, you know, to start doing some stuff. And then Toby won Dakar a yeah. few years later or something and you know it just it grows like it's networking that's yeah. that's the thing networking is in, incredible but it didn't feel like um that crazy to it, any of it like i never felt like it was that big of a jump to do you know what i mean like we were always around each other felt yeah, like yeah. everyone was a highlight it just didn't feel like yeah doing a video with i was like oh i did one with todd i'll just do one with yeah, yeah. george or you know i'll just Todd's going to the nationals I'll just go to the nationals and yeah so I, I don't know it just never felt like it was that big of a deal and I think it yeah you just start doing it but I think that if you're a kid and you like if you don't have that person around or if you don't have those kind of you know those kind of guys in your circle or whatever then maybe it looks so far away or so yeah di you know so distant like a challenge that you couldn't overcome well, I yeah. suppose if you look at it I suppose it's more so if you look at it just as like the end goal of like, oh, I want to be in America. Like imagine if I, if the first time I did a video with you, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this video and then I'm going to go to America. Yeah. Like it, it's impossible. Yeah. Like you, you're not just, you can't make that jump. Yeah. And it'd be the same as a racer. Oh, I'm going to race Maria Club Championship and then I'm just going to go race Hangtown. Yeah. So it's like, it's the, it's like not looking at the big picture as the only thing. Yeah. It's like just, doing literally like the next two percent better two percent better two percent better yeah well then, they say like goal setting yeah you know they big goals have more, that yeah. yeah micro goals and all that sort of stuff and we do it like yeah. i go to all these things like like sykes and stuff like that and and they're such a great tool for an athlete only because they give you like like i don't know someone telling you because yeah. at the end of the day they 
spin you all this bullshit like when you're sitting there and you go home you're like yeah i know that like it's nothing new but an actual fact someone telling you yeah what you just told me i do every day bro yeah but it's just the fact someone telling you and then you being aware of it that's the biggest thing being aware of things and then acting on it so then same thing like anything whether you're training or whatever like this morning like i'm still feeling a bit jet lagged and i went for a two-hour cycle and i'm out there i'm just like man like i'm not feeling it but i'm doing it Mm. at the end of the month i did these cycles and this and this which grows to this you know when i lay in bed and go i couldn't be stuffed you know well then you don't progress so whether it's cycling business anything you set your small goals and you just do them Mm. like that's what micro goals are whether it's you know today i'm going to build this table and then i'm going to edit because i've got a table Mm. blah 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 for the end goal to get to america like and you gotta you gotta break things down and and work hard for it and that's what is helping me this year um my girlfriend jules she's she's a physio and they did like in their degree they do like three years sports exercise science so Mm. um pretty much all your trainers at the gym and stuff like that she's actually a lot more qualified than them so you know my trainer jared down in melbourne um he creates all my supplements and and communicates with jill and the thing that jill really helps me with now is i know how to train i know what i gotta do this and that but she writes it down man Mm. like you know i just open my eyes and i just go oh yeah thursday yep got stretching i got cycle yeah and then i got time off i go p3 and i do my bike and i go riding these days and and it's freaking simple Mm. like that is the easiest thing for me is their micro goals yeah for the end goal eight week program to win a championship can't control if you're going to win the championship but you can control all the shit up yeah so when you stand there and you got second you're like well i did all my shit like instead previously i thought i knew how to train i didn't know how to train but there'd be times where i'd miss where it'd be like oh i gotta do my bike and that and i didn't do my cycle you know and because i don't have it all written down at the end of the month i probably missed three cycles or Mm. this and that so it's big doing um that's what they talk about goal setting not many people nail it to tell you the truth yeah dude even like yesterday man i was like i was sitting there with maddie and i was like oh i'm just a bit like just a bit lost on what to do day to day at the moment yeah and then it's so easy to waste time yeah and i wrote like it's fucking weird i don't know why i just wanted to do it that particular day but i was like i was talking to matt and then i was like you know what? i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna write down all the shit in my life that makes me happy and then all the shit in my life that makes me unhappy yeah and i and i wrote down like um ricky and hurley um family friends um the podcast jiu-jitsu surfing there's a few other like readings in there but like they were like my main goals and then i or like my main things that make me happy yeah and then i wrote ricky and hurley yeah doing pretty good here probably should do this this and this need to make sure hurley's getting a at least a run every day because we always take him to the beach and shit but it's like i wrote it down and i was like yeah. all right i'm doing all right in that area and then it was like um jiu-jitsu uh i'm doing really good in this area but i probably spend too much time on this and i probably think about it too much and i probably need to turn off my brain from it Mm. but it's hard when you've got goals and competitions and like to switch off but it's like that's a good outlet because you your brain's gonna 
focus on something that much whether you like it or not so mm. it's like you should have control so but i went through and i wrote all those and then i wrote down the shit that makes me unhappy and it's not like a person it's not a thing it's shit that i do with myself like wasting time scrolling on social media letting yeah. friends down not calling people back you know it's like little things where it's like it was other it's shit that i would do to other people but yep. that was the stuff that actually makes me unhappy yeah and then i'm like all right we're wasting time well i used to run on a schedule so i used to do my calendar in every day and i'd be like all right i'm gonna wake up at seven and then i'm gonna have 40 minutes of just doing whatever the fuck i want yeah whether it's like watching youtube watching whatever reading a book that's just my time then breakfast and then first i'm gonna do emails and it's like 20 minutes and you just like fully block your whole day Mm. and i just i started running like fucking really well like i was getting all my shit done and i felt accomplished every day yeah and like you look down and i'm like done sick i did all that shit and if you can you know sneak some time back you're like oh now i've got a bit of extra time for me but it was like in my head you'd get you'd think it was like a negative to be um dictated like your time Mm. every day and then i was like no it's not a positive like i'm making these choices like i'm not in trouble and i've got to stick to this schedule like i made the choice to make this schedule so now you should make the choice to like not let yourself down and finish it Mm. but it, it is it is funny how that does work where you put it up on a whiteboard or you put it in a diary and you yeah you hold yourself to it and then like you know with this the state titles are on this weekend everyone's like hey feeling about the state titles i was like man i've done everything mm. like if i fucking get beat then i get beat yeah you know it's either i've made a mistake or that dude's just better i couldn't try any harder yeah leading up to it and it's like and that's a like a good feeling you know yeah yeah and that yeah pretty much going back to that that structure that's why people have trainers that's what trainers do yeah they give you the structure yeah because i have heaps of people on social media just sending me messages like hey man what do you do for training what should i do here blah blah, blah. like you know like it's it's not rocket science it, you just do it every like, day and do what you're supposed to do you gotta remember when i was 14 15 we didn't have phones i didn't have a phone like there was google but no one knew to just go on google and like type things up man you could almost do brain surgery now with the amount of stuff that's yeah. out there. Yeah, you're you know so what I right, mean. Dude. Like going on, I use YouTube so much. Like, like how to jip rock my house. Yeah, I built you this know? this fucking studio off yeah. YouTube. Basically, it's insane. Like the amount of stuff. It's just now my dad lives on it. You know, and I always thought my dad doesn't have a dad, so dad was my YouTube kind of thing growing up. Like phone dad, hey dad, how do I do this? Like yeah. this and that. He didn't have that. He just he just had to figure Don't it know, out did shit and my dad's incredible like your car blows up he'll be there rebuilding the engine putting a new gearbox in it this and that then he'll go build you the most beautiful timber um grandfather clock ever like sh- like he's won that many awards for his timber work like yeah. timber kitchens that he does and stuff like that's just high level and he'll be rebuilding like a he rebuilt this big end loader at granddad's farm the other day like the stuff and i'm like who like i phone you up hey dad like the engine's blowing up like what do i do how like what parts do i get and he's oh yeah he just he's like google i don't understand it so i always get amazed at that with seeing this next generation because we're kind of savvy on that you know like 
I started doing some video edits. Um, yeah. You helped me out with that last year. And you were like, man, just, just get YouTube Premiere Pro everything. and just go on YouTube. I, I'd say to Todd, this is like a good thing because I get this question heaps. I've never said it on the podcast. If Pretend like you were texting me a question. Yeah. But just type that into YouTube. <laughs> it's retarded. That's hey. all you have to... Like, my whole film career is... Because YouTube, well, it was a bit harder for me because there wasn't as much like 10, 12 yeah. years ago. So it was like very limited. And, it, you know, I, I probably learned a lot more by myself than what you'd have to these days. Mm. But man, that's like building this studio, like all the soundproofing stuff, like it's all off. If I had, you know, a, if Google was my friend or YouTube was my friend, what would I text them? Yeah. And it's like, hey, how do I... How do I do uh, make it go from fast motion to slow motion? That's yep. it. And something will come up. Yeah. It's like, you've just got to put in the time to do that. Like people, and it'd be the same for training, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just time and having a bit of structure. And that just comes back to yourself really. Yeah. And just accountability. Yeah. You just got to do it. Like you said, you did it. I do it. Like what's well, funny. It just, cause I went away from it. Yeah. For, and then I found myself and I'm like, I just feeling shit. I'm like, well, I feel shit because like I, I know I'm wasting time yeah. and I know I'm doing, it's like those are like, I have a clear idea of like the shit that makes me unhappy. Mm. It's not my boss yelling at me. It's not my dickhead neighbor. It's not like, I don't have any of those things. The only things that make me unhappy is when I don't do the shit that I feel like I should do. Yeah. And it's like, all you do to fix that is just stop wasting time. Stop, you know, it's not yeah. hard. You just have to like hold yourself accountable write down the shit like choose what you want and write it down and then do it and yeah. then when you do it you'll feel good it's that simple yeah pretty much done <laughs> Wait, so i got to be at a thing uh, i don't know what you've got to do Ooh, but um i'm yeah. going to get a a pie with maddie oh yeah whereabouts at the bakery up here which one um mermaid bakery oh, it's insane bastards the crazy thing is is when i leave the country I don't eat pies and stuff like. But you want it's them not so bad my thing. When you come back. But when I leave, yeah. I was over there and I was like, "Man, I just want a pie." Oh, bro, I know exactly how you feel. And the, you know what? The other funny thing is, is like getting older and stuff, and people like I put so much energy into diet when I was like younger, you know. And obviously, you want to diet, like just eat healthy and blah blah blah. But I see the younger generations, like Nikki's boyfriend Blake. He's like quite you know like oh, i can't have that this and like sugar and whatever i'm just like man like it's not like that really yeah when i went to red bull to the training facility in austria they're germans man they're like computer screen todd's name like physio you got training in the morning physio lunch like sports psych training home time like boom blocked out you have 40 minutes for lunch like just got enough time to have a shower in between like it's like they're Nazis, man. They're just mm. like full on. And when they're on you, they're just like, hmm, you're not fit enough. You have no base fitness. Like, and just staring at you and you're like, well, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Like, and they're like, yes, but your intensity, you must just train high heart rate. Yeah. That's well, crazy. I don't eh? even know what heart rate is. I just run, man. Like, and they're just like full on. I spent like 12 weeks there doing this block and improved like huge. And then I, I said to him like, diet like and i'd be asking the question i'll be on the cycle bike for two hours indoors like driving yourself mad and he'd be walking around taking your blood every five minutes yeah and i'm like michael like diet like like what how come you don't yeah. do that 
we're every morning I walk in here, you take my blood to see where my CK level is to see if I've recovered from the day before. And like, it is full on man. And he's like, Oh, you just need to eat healthy. Like, yeah. Yeah. But how come there's no dietitian? Like, cause if I go eat Macca's, I feel like shit. Like, you know, it is pretty important. And he's like, Oh, you just eat healthy. And I said, alcohol. What about alcohol? And he's like, alcohol affects your recovery. So obviously you drink alcohol, your recovery, you're not going to recover from your training the day before. But the problem is, is then you go out all night. So you didn't sleep. Mm. So that it just snowballs with that. And he said, but beer is fine. He's Mm. like, you know, the hops and stuff, it's actually good to drink over in Germany. They have alcohol free beer. And he's like, you know, lots of people hear about carbs. Yeah. Lots of people hear about wine, like, you know, in Italy, you know, they say it's really healthy for your digestive system, all this sort of stuff you hear. Like, so like now, you know, I eat healthy and stuff, but it's like, I go have a pie with Maddie, go grab a pie. Makes me feel happy because I've been craving a pie, you know, as long as I'm not eating a pie every day, because obviously that's going to result in me being 90 kilos and I'm going to get shit at starts. But it wouldn't even be like that because you just do, it's just calories in, calories out. Like you'll get, you're burning a lot of calories. Yeah. But then there's like a point, you know, for me, a perfect diet is like your protein, whether you have your chicken or your fish or, you know, I eat a lot of salmon and stuff. I have rice because it's like, I feel it's lighter than pasta. Mm. Pasta, if you eat, you want to have a sleep yeah. or breads. You know, you just learn. You just have like a basic yeah, sort and of it's pretty individual like thing it's, around. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it affects people differently. Yeah, but I've noticed because like I've had to cut weight this week, and I've only really eaten like veggies, steam veggies, or roast veggies, chicken, yeah. um, and salads. But and you like, feel good. I fucking do. Yeah, and you know what? That's it's, the difference. It yeah. sucks, eh? Because like, man, I don't eat good. Like, yeah, I train so much that. I've, I don't put on any weight, bro. Yeah. Like I put on maybe I've had to lose like two kilos, but yeah. I eat like fucking shit and it's a two kilo difference to me eating really good. Yeah. But the big difference is like how I feel. And even, I don't know whether it's like the food or it's just cause it's close to a big competition, but like my intensity at training, like I'm just fucking sending it like, yeah. And I don't know whether that's the food, but before, like the last few weeks before this comp, like I didn't even want to do it because I'd just been feeling shit. And um, and then I was like, I just was like, no, nah, I'm signing myself up because then it's just going to force me to like get my head back into it. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I don't know whether it's the food or it's like just the fact that I do have to do this competition, but I feel a lot better. Like I got a lot more energy and not, not yeah, just overall, you just feel like you're ready to fucking suck the day's dick. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of just staying in fucking bed yeah so uh, thanks for doing this bro I appreciate it um, always always bloody good time can't, can't believe it's been like a year don't cut me off like that bro you gotta go you gotta have a pie and I gotta fucking have a massage <laughs> <laughs> nah we got one of the dudes at the gym he's like a um, like a I don't know sports therapist dude and like cause the comps on I'm the I'm not weekend. into it eh what's that I hate getting massages from dudes it's but, just not yeah. for me getting uh, a haircut from a dude nah Really? Nah. Don't have you ever been to a barbershop? Yeah, nah. Dude, because you gotta go to the boys, um what's the the But name? I don't get like for me a haircut's like yeah, cruising you got no in style. Nah, there's heaps of style. <laughs> no, haircut for me is like going in, them wash, washing your hair. 
That's insane. Dude, seven and massage. Seven and one studios. I'm in a book in. The boys are fucking legends. They're just yeah. in they're in like Mermaid. You know where the high smile thing is in Mermaid? Yeah. They're there. And they're the two lords, bro. Yeah. So get a I haircut. don't have a beard, man. No, and I don't want shaved sides or anything. Yeah, like, uh, true. I just yeah, want a know. head massage. I only go to get a hair you know me, I'd have hair down here. I just cruise in and get the head massage. Get they shampoo it up. I hate my hair being shampooed because it goes fluffy. Yeah, I'm the same. But they just shampoo it up, give the head massage, have a bit of a snooze while they're doing that. <laughs> have a chat about who they want to bitch you about. I like massages from dudes because the chicks don't have strong hands. Nah, man. There's... Except for at, Sheridan at no... At, she was really No, good. but at Burley, um, yeah. like James Street... The first um, Thai massage place on the left. Really? That's where we all go. Really? It's insane. Those small little Thai girl comes out and you're just like, oh yeah, sweet. Why not? This is going to be crappy. And you're just there going, Gets you say that, oh, how, what pressure you want? And you're like, oh, firm. Yeah. And through, I'm just going, fuck. They're Next like, time I'm going to say medium, eh? Yeah, they're insane. The Thai girls are the best at massaging. It's good good times righto mate sorry to cut you off I, you okay. know I love you and I want you here all the time but thanks for coming on bro yeah thanks did for it, having me it's good it again. Yeah. come do it after you win the championship that'd be good I'll hold you to it yeah let's do it when you win we'll do it thanks very much to Todd uh, for coming on um, you can follow Todd on Instagram at toddwaters47 yep right uh, and then he will be racing the MX Nationals for the rest of the year in the 450 class. He's trying to win his first championship. I'm yeah. cheering for him. Um, and yeah, go do more of the same. And we're going to give away a jersey as yep. well. I'll say about that at the start of the show. Got to figure out how we do it, but it's one you raced in in the US. Yeah. One or, at or the more. US. We'll yeah. grab one of those, give it away. Um, we're doing a heap of cool stuff. We've got KTR on board, so I'll give out some key rings and stuff like that. Yeah, They're doing some clothing stuff. Um, what else we got happening? Wade Lewis is doing some cool art. We did like a privateer Yeah, t-shirt. where can people get that? So, toddwaters.com. Yeah. We've got like this and another privateer one. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff that we're working on. Should be cool. Sweet, bro. All right, mate. Well, Wicked. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jace. You.